Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, it is uh, it's a slow news day. Andrew Gillum is not really in the news all that much, but he was indicted on 21 felony corruption charges. Kind of crazy story. Because he was like 0.4% away from being the governor of Florida. And then we would not have Ron DeSantis. So crazy story. We'll talk a little bit, a little bit about that. We got a story that's got everybody a little bit pissed off is that 14 Republicans, four of them out of the blue, have signed on to red flag law gun control BS. And now Steve Scalise is basically going around being like, do not vote on this when it goes to the floor or whatever. And uh, I can't say I'm surprised. The Republicans, in my opinion, are fairly garbage. But we'll talk about that. We also got Ron DeSantis in many statewide polls actually leading Trump. And on Predict It, it uh, Ron DeSantis is beating Trump to be the candidate in 2024. And I think the issue is quite simple. Ron DeSantis is in politics now, actively engaging in the culture war. So his star is rising. Donald Trump is not. He's having rallies, but he's just either stagnant or just, you know, there. Ron DeSantis has two years of growth ahead of him, so I think it's it's a fairly good bet. We'll talk about this, and we'll talk about fake news and other issues around that satire, because we are being joined by the CEO of the Babylon Bee, Seth Dillon. That's me. I'm sorry. Introduce yourself. That's my you cue doing? there. Dillon, my bad. CEO of the Babylon Bee. <laughs> fake news you can trust, yeah. Fake news you can trust. So, uh, well, so what's the Babylon Bee for those that might not know? For those that might not know, we're like, uh, where they call us on our Wikipedia page, the conservative version of the onion, I guess. Uh, it's kind of how we were known initially in the media. Um, yeah, we, uh, we exaggerate the truth with fake stories, um, that often come true because reality is catching up to satire. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. about as fast as we and can then, write it. And then what do you do when, you know, your satire comes true? Do you have to go back and then like delete it because it's real news now? <laughs> it's like, uh oh. Uh, we, we, we mark it down as a fulfilled prophecy. Oh, we're yeah, tracking yeah. them in a spreadsheet oh. now. I posted a Google <laughs> doc recently. I've got like 67 or, or 70, 70 of these <laughs> wow. things. Jokes Word. that came true. Well, we'll talk about all that. Yeah. That'll be fun. We also got Seamus. Seamus Coughlin of Freedom Tunes here. Um, I am interested in having a conversation about DeSantis and Trump. That's always a fun one. I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We just launched a website, freedomtunes.com. You guys go over there for five bucks a month. You'll become a member, get an extra cartoon every week. We've got a bunch of cartoons up there now. You'll also help us get independent from big tech. Go over there. Check it out. I love you. I was trying to remember, uh, regards to Babylon, who was the guy with all the prophecies? But I don't, was he a Babylonian guy? It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar, I don't think was it Are you talking? well well there were, there were a number of prophets in the old testament but you know babylon was is a reference to like the, the the exile so you had like the hebrew people in exile and like babylon b is like a play on that saying that like we're like conservative christians today are like doing dispatches from exile so okay, well let's talk more about that tonight maybe if it comes up yeah for sure yeah, yeah and i'm over here missing my cues in the corner because i'm distracted i'm very sorry you have my full attention now seth is fantastic he's very funny i'm really excited for this evening's conversation don't forget to go to timcast.com become a member you click that sign up button in the top right and you'll get access to members only segments of this show we're gonna have one for you tonight at 11 p.m it is uncensored and not family friendly i imagine mm-hmm. tonight's will be particularly funny so it'll be a good time you'll also be supporting our journalists 
our anti-big tech censorship infrastructure. We use Rumble. So don't forget to smash that like button as well. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends if you really do like it. Let's jump to our first story from Not The Bee. Oh. 14 GOP senators just voted to limit your right to keep and bear arms, including Lindsey Graham, who said he would vigorously oppose the bill. Well, if you trust Lindsey Graham, you've got other issues going on. Okay. So that's basically the story. Uh, the Senate on Tuesday broke through nearly 30 years of stalemate on gun control legislation by voting 64 to 34 to advance an 80-page gun safety bill to respond to the mass shootings of Buffalo and Uvalde that left 31 people dead. The Senate voted to proceed to the bill just more than an hour after negotiators unveiled its text, giving lawmakers little time to digest its details. So the bill is actually quite absurd. I'm pr- I-, I was reading that uh, it doesn't mention guns until like page 25. It's mostly like a whole bunch of weird Medicaid bloat that they couldn't get through anywhere else. And they were like, uh, gun control. And they just jammed a bunch of trash into it. But, uh, yeah, the bill is actually really bad. You've got the Republican senator from West Virginia, Shelley Moore Capito, who's voting in favor of it, which is nuts. But huh. surprise, surprise, the GOP is selling you out. Hmm. There's crisis intervention, not red flag laws, crisis intervention, oh, which nice. is literally the same thing. They want a 10-day waiting period and juvenile check for all background checks for anyone under 21, which basically means from 18 to 21 as a legal adult, you will have basic what, like a 10-day waiting period, which is what they've been trying to do for a long time. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're trying to ban guns outright, but this is the game they play. They introduce a crazy bill and say, we want to ban weapons. We want to raise the, the, the age to 21. Everyone loses their mind and they go, okay, okay, fine. Just enhanced background checks for people over 18, but under 21. That's acceptable, right? And my attitude is like, no, what's acceptable would be the Republicans change what they did. I think it was Pennsylvania. They took the bill and they just erased all the text and put in constitutional carry instead. How about that? How about the Republicans actually stand up for our right to keep and bear arms? But uh, makes me wonder, like, if uh, a a shooter appears that has an illegally acquired gun and, and does a mass shooting like are they going to then try and make it harder for people to get weapons again like yes. this is complete insanity yeah mm. exactly i mean look there are so many laws on the books that would have prevented virtually all of the mass shootings that have become big news stories but that hasn't prevented them from trying to solve the problem by introducing more laws and to go back to your point tim i disagree i i mean i do think they're trying to ban all guns i think they know that change occurs incrementally and every time that, you that's point what I'm out, saying, okay, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so every time They're you point out ask. that you know that, mm-hmm. they go, that's the slippery slope fallacy, which is not, of course, as we have seen, not a fallacy. The slippery slope fallacy is a fallacy if you're saying you should only be against this, uh, because it could lead to other things. But if you're able to explain why it will, based on a pattern we've seen in the past of incremental change constantly occurring where the left says it won't, then that's not fallacious. That's just pattern re- recognition. Yep. Yeah. All right, so we all agree then. All I think right. that's a wrap Good for show, tonight. Guys. Good show. Time for the after show. Yeah, Let's it. get dirty. You're right, Seamus, about, I mean, this Hitler did it slowly. It took him 10 years. Oh, about 19, I think they got started in, not 29, 33, really when Hitler got the, uh, what they call it, the, uh, what was that act that he signed that basically stripped everybody's rights away? The Enabling Act? Yeah, yeah. They burned the Reichstag. Somebody burned it. He blamed the communists. And then and research has been done on this. And they said, you know. there's no way someone could, uh, th- these two guys that Hitler blamed or this one guy could have burned that building the way it burned. They so, tried to replicate it. They're like, no, no, this was like a, they think it was a staged planned event, probably by Hitler to scare everyone in the country. And then 
do the the enabling so, act so, and seize their weapons. So I'm quite pissed off <clears throat> at these Republicans. Yeah. And one of the Republicans that supported this was uh, Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia. And I'm kind of pissed because we're currently building our new West Virginia headquarters. And I was like, this is a state. It's a great state to invest in, to bring our our business, which is, you know, going to bring in a lot of jobs and we're expanding. All thanks to all of you as members at TimCast.com. And now I have to deal with the Republican senator selling me out. Yo, I'm trying to move my business here. They really don't want it. I'll tell you this. Maryland hates us. And I don't mean as in like me personally. I mean, Maryland hates business. Mm-hmm. Like they have laws that are just like, we will flog you for being a business. It's so <laughs> it's insane, insane to start even a charity in, Ma- in Maryland is oh, ridiculous yeah. costs. Yeah. Like get your act together, you guys. Do you not want me to start a business here? They with- don't. New Jersey was the same way. It's like, I would like to start a business and bring, you know, wealth. And they would be like, mm, we're going to beat you over the head instead. Well, the, the- so we leave New Jersey. We, we have, uh, you know, a part of our operation in Maryland. And now going through just the logistics of operating in Maryland, I'm just like, it would, it is better for the business to shut everything down and, and spend as like a million bucks to just move everything out of Maryland because it is so hostile to business. But now I got to contend with this Shelly Moore Capito woman. So I was just like, okay, I need to confer with my lawyer as to how much money I'm allowed to spend to make sure she never wins re-election again. And I'm really pissed off about this. Perhaps the only thing these people respond to are leftist tactics like organizing 24-7 protests outside their homes or putting up billboards all over their hometown, insulting them and and dragging their character. I'm, I'm sick of these people. They're scumbags. And the problem is conservatives, there's too many, too many conservatives are cowards, don't do anything. And that's why they do it. These GOP members know that they can support the Democrats and Republicans will grumble and forget about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not a Republican. I'm not a conservative. I'm more libertarian than anything. And I'm right pissed off that this woman in the second most Trump supporting state just sold me out. How dare you, madam? I don't think I am going to put whatever I can to whatever legal extent to make sure you are retired by your reelection. And you know what the problem is she knows it. Her reelection is until 2026. She's old. She's probably like, well, I'll burn down the house because I'm leaving anyway. These people are absolute scumbags. Cornyn as well. Well, we're going to negotiate on, it's not really red flag laws, literally red flag laws. She, she puts out a statement. She's like, we will never have red flag laws in these states. So you're just enacting a federal legislation to expand red flag laws, but hoping it doesn't come to West Virginia, you absolute scumbag. Well, and also this idea of negotiating, right? I mentioned this on the show the other day. They'll talk about compromise. It's not compromise if you don't get anything out of it. It's not a negotiation if there's no need for you to be having a conversation with the person. We've seen the polling data. We can't predict the future, but it's probably likely that Republicans are going to do pretty well in the midterms. So you'd think they'd be able to look down the line and say, we have a little bit of leverage to not have to cave into the left every single time they demand something of us. But no, they're going to win the midterms. And everyone's going to clap and cheer. Yep. And then they're going to be like, and now what were you trying to pass Democrats? Let exactly. Me on to that. Right. exactly. Now right. that we've won and don't need to argue with you. Why don't you move to Florida? Come to Florida. Uh, you know, Virginia, West Virginia is not all bad just because this, this center did one bad thing. Ron DeSantis is pretty great. But uh, oh, the weather, Ugh. it's more expensive. So West Virginia is still a great place uh, for, for expanding a business. Hmm. Land is cheap. M- much less regulation. Uh, you guys don't have constitutional carry yet, but I believe it's coming. The, the gun laws are still not that bad, but, you know, 
I lived in Florida, man, and you can't go out. Well, I lived in Miami for for a year, and you just can't go outside. Yeah, with a Nobody, beanie on. Yeah, there are little aspects <laughs> no, on the side. No, Ian, you can't go outside at all. I, you, I, hey, man, I'm with you. I was in the Miami windows, in, in the February. It was like drenched. 99 degrees uh, in February. You can go outside January and February. The windows on every building are drenched. Yeah, our AC overloaded and started getting all this condensation because I had cracked a window and the entire it like flooded the the ceiling. It was. They have a statue a of the man who invented air conditioning in Miami. I'm not they kidding. Do. Yeah. They literally. They do. warned us not to open so, the window. Uh, I'll say this. You know, I've been trying to think of like what I can do. And I was thinking, like, maybe we can start start a porta potty company and call them Shelly Crapitos, oh, yeah. or maybe like Shelly Shelly Capito boxes. And um, I wonder if there's like a legal issue of me doing that. I I tweeted like, can I open a restaurant in Charleston, West Virginia, which is the biggest city? It's only fifty thousand people, and then name the restaurant Shelly Moore Capito is trash. Uh, I'm I'm wondering. I'm going to look into how much it'll cost to buy every billboard in that town and put just putting up. I'm not even talking political ads, just character ads. Like you're you're a bad person, you're scum, you know, and and just leave and just buying them indefinitely. No. And I'm like, it's good marketing because people are going to be like, why are these ads here? Oh yeah, Tim Pool's really pissed off about this. Make sure everybody knows how pissed off I am. Look, I I am I I I said that I'll put a sticky note on my monitor, and I will say every I'll put it this way. You know, we have sponsors who who pay good money for us to read out their ads and all that. I wonder what the what the total monetary value of me ragging on her would be if every mm. single night I said, never forget, she's a scumbag. I think when you said earlier about organizing and getting people to, to rally, obviously you don't want people to go to people's houses, and that's that's not the – but you can organize people to call at 2 p.m. on a day. You make a video in the morning, and you tell people at 3 p.m., you call this number, this office, and tell her that you want whatever, that you want her to reverse her position on this. And when she gets – 780 calls a day for five days in a row, she will change her position. Yeah. But why do you, why do you, yeah. why do you have to do that? Why, why is her position this position? Like, where did the pressure come from? You know what I think it is? She's not up for re-election until 2026. 20, she's probably going to retire. I don't know. She's going to be 60s or something. Or I think she's in her 60s. I think she's going to be in her 70s, maybe. And so she's probably like, what do I care? I can burn the place down on my way out and get what I want. Mm. And some people have pointed out that there was some, like, I don't want to get too much into it, but some exchanges were made. Let's just put it that way. Some say there was some monetary movement in some capacity that I'm not super familiar with, so I'm not going to get into. But she probably cut a deal. In my opinion, they came to her and said, look, you're not up for re-election until 2026. Your voters are dumb as box of rocks, so they're going to completely forget. That's that's how they think. That's, that's what they think of you. By the time you're up for re-election, this will be a non-issue. So give it to us now. We'll give you these things, and who cares anyway? And then they probably all popped the champagne, started laughing, and spitting on pictures of their constituents. Mm. I despise these people. Yeah, like, it's not obvious. I can tell. I can't tell. But good. I know. I, I think uh, there is something to what you're saying about putting these people on blast regularly. It's important for your audience to hear, especially members of your audience who live in the area, who actually is interested in representing their interests and who will bend at the last moment. It's very disappointing that there were any Republicans who were willing to sign on to this. Unfortunately, some of them were, and I think we do have a, a duty to criticize them. It's it's also about making contact. You can criticize them in the background, but they're going to ignore it unless you actually call the office because it's that time. It's yeah. the time is more valuable than the money. Didn't uh, didn't Chuck Schumer say it was okay to protest at the home of senators? He did. Well, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. He did say that. Yeah. I believe so. I so so it's okay. Chuck Schumer no, said it Chuck was. Chuck Schumer's wrong if he said that. Why? Why is it wrong? Well, he said it. I mean, I think as far as I know, it's illegal. No, it's not. 
It's illegal to protest protest in front of the home of a judge or a member of a court, <laughs> but that's not getting not, enforced either. Right. So maybe the only thing these people will answer to is an actual anger group, group of protesters being like, you know what? I'll put it this way. The left, they do these things. It works for them. Republicans keep dropping to their knees. Maybe it's about time some younger libertarian, moderate, conservative, whatever you want to call it, started saying, okay, we can play the game as well. Yeah. The United States is an angry group of protesters. That was what we were when we started. We still are. The United States is a protest. A wise man told me that one time. It sounds a lot like mob rule, though. You know, you Mm -hmm. just get the the mob with the pitchforks running the show and whoever has the the bigger mob. And there's the conundrum. That's why we have representatives. As the, the, the cultural right, which has expanded quite dramatically thanks to the left, um, now incorporates post-liberals along with moderates and conservatives as they continually just say, no, no, we don't do that here. And then the left is like, you got it, buddy. We do. Then Republicans keep just saying it's a, it's a simple equation. I'll give it to you in terms of why Twitter likes censorship. Twitter likes censorship for one reason. They have a lot of employees who are very much into censorship. But there's also the fact that do you think Dave Rubin is going to lead a group of classical liberals with pitchforks and bricks and Molotov cocktails at Twitter HQ <laughs> and they're all going violence. I agree. Every we, disagree <laughs> we disagree with you. We disagree. Do you think, do you think Dave Rubin would ever lead a violent mob to that quarters of Twitter? I don't know about that. Probably no, not his style. He, yeah, he definitely Probably would. Not his do you style. think Antifa would? Absolutely. Yeah, of course That's they their would. whole thing. Yeah. And so when you yeah. have a dude literally trying to kill a sitting Supreme Court justice and people illegally protesting at the at the homes of justices, the politicians know exactly who they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. They're terrified of the left and the right wing is a bunch of spineless cowards that they, they can ignore because the right's always just like, well, you know, hold on there a minute. I remember back in like 2016, I was out in front of Trump Tower in New York and there was a bunch of people protesting and there was one dude leaning, against, leaning up against the wall we were talking. He asked us some questions because we were like journalists covering the event. And I was like, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think? You, you support Trump? He's like, oh, yeah, definitely. And then I was like, so why don't you start saying you support Trump? And, oh, no, no, no. I don't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, dude, secret Trump voters. Congratulations. Keep yeah, fighting. but don't you see like with the school board uh, meetings, the pushback from parents, the pushback on Disney, a lot of this stuff. Like, don't you see the right getting a little fired up? And The parents in and Loudoun throwing, County throwing weren't weight the around right. a little bit more. The, yeah. par- the parents in Loudon and a lot of these parents that are speaking up aren't conservatives. They're just regular people who are not doing it for political reasons. Yeah. We were talking so, last night about how the right is really everybody that's not being crushed into this cult by the mass media. Yeah. And, and the way you framed it, like the teachers, the people, the, the student, I'm sorry, the parents rising up. The, the immediate assumption is that must be the right. That's, that's how the media frames it. When you go and talk to these people, and they're like, I don't, I don't know anything about that. Loudoun County is like a suburb of D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a minute away from here. This is like a mixed, very liberal area. And these people are getting angry. So you take a look at, uh, you know, I, I can put it this way. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube purged all of the conservatives who are talking about standing up and protesting. Laura Loomer chaining herself to Twitter HQ. Oh, they, they, they ban her. Alex Jones. Yeah. They say those metaphors don't fly. Mm-hmm. Then you get protesters outright breaking the law and Jen Psaki encouraging them to do it. And, you know, social media companies are like, yeah, it's fine. So what they don't have to worry about, they don't have to worry about conservatives. They have to worry about parents. It's parents because parents, it's not political. It's about their kids. They turned parents into a voting block. Exactly. Which mm-hmm. is crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah they, they don't understand. It's so funny. They'll, um, you know, they'll talk about like how terrified they feel and how scared they are of the right it's like all right if you're scared of someone you don't start screwing with their kids yeah it's it's so obviously phony mm-hmm. what can we do you know i was so i've been doing uh we, we we got a billboard in Times square 
which was like it was meant to be like a big statement like we've arrived like we are now in the space and that now a whole bunch of other organizations like you know the, the, the daily wire had, had times square billboard for us we worked together on one lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Parlor bought uh, uh, the same digital space that we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also looking at, like, what's the best way? We've never spent any money on marketing. And so one of the things we came up with was direct marketing is a bad idea. What's a good idea is culture jamming as marketing. So what we did in Times Square was partly that. Some of the best marketing was just calling out Taylor Lorenz for being a liar. That worked really well for us and uh, and the Daily Wire. And so I'm wondering, like, can I just – how much would it cost to buy every billboard in town of 50000 I'd imagine it would be like twenty grand, you know, for a month because it's a small, very small city. So, okay, what if we just – we just do that. We just start crowdfunding. We start just taking major cultural actions to make bold statements and just dominate the conversation. Set the news cycle. Yeah, let's do it. And it All also right. enhances local economies. That's a good yeah. idea. Do people pay a lot of attention to billboards? When every billboard in your town is the same one ragging on your, your local politician, I think people will notice. Tim is going to put a billboard outside of a Supreme Court justice's house. He's going to put a billboard. He's going to Tim Cast billboard. On a billboard. <laughs> you know what's going to be hot. Doing? So during the lockdowns, I went to a sushi restaurant and they, nobody was wearing masks. We walk in the front door and we're standing next to the, like the host podium or whatever. And they're like, put a mask on. And then I was like, I was like, but nobody's wearing masks. And they're like, but you have to wear a mask. And I was like, now hold on there a minute. Like nobody in the restaurant is wearing a mask. And they're like, they're eating. And I was like, we're planning on eating too. And they're like, no, you have to wear a mask now. And then I was like, if I sit down in that table five feet from me, can I not wear the mask? And they were like, yes, but put the mask on now. And then I was like, are you serious? And then all of the employees go, yes. And I'm like, dude, I am done with this. And I was like, you know what I could do? I could hire someone to fly a sign in front of their restaurant. Or, or like offer coupons to a rival sushi restaurant across the street or something. Why, why not? Why mm-hmm. not actually do culture jamming to make a statement against those who don't believe in freedom, who are too cowardly, or these politicians? How about I hire 50 people to fly signs all throughout Charleston, West Virginia, that just are dancing with signs saying that Shelly uh, Capito is trash? Just that. Yeah. Make sure everybody knows there's disdain for this person. There's value to dogging on your opponent. There's also value to enhancing the people you believe in. So I think both are effective. You know, the funny thing is someone tweeted at me that as an individual, you can spend as much money as you want on any kind of political statement and that there are some limits. But if you're doing it as educational, in fact, it could be even tax deductible or something. And I'm like, I don't know about all that. Like, I'll just talk to my lawyer and be like, what am I allowed to do in terms of ragging on rhinos? Because I think it would be excellent marketing for Timcast and the podcast. To make like an ad that's like, come watch our podcast, and this politician is a piece of garbage. <laughs> I think it'd be great advertising, you know. But that it's political, so certain billboards won't run it because it's political. Maybe if I just say the person's name is garbage, then it's a free speech thing. Like well, we were, we were able to say Taylor Lorenz is a liar, mm-hmm. or no, 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 that was we true, said I think we said Taylor Lorenz doxed libs of TikTok. That's what it was. And the 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 
Times Square billboards, like that's fine. Yeah. As long as we weren't advertising a product, part, we were just making a statement. Part of it is I think uh, a good thing for you personally to do is to stay cool, stay calm, and organized. I, it's a vague like like where's the where's the call to action in it, and it might not be for you. That might be for I'm speaking to myself because you're very good with fire and uh, you know aggression and stuff like that. Um, but I think it, it's the long game. It's going to be a fifty year, hundred year. They need you calm and able to see the big picture i'm just taught you know what i'm really bored with it's like everything's just so r- routine and yeah and, and the same thing like exactly the left comes out and there's a double standard imagine if we did this yeah and then yeah. exactly the yeah. same yeah. thing over and over again and i'm like won't someone please throw a figurative pie the name the name calling falls into that though with the it's it's boring it's repetitive you know everyone's a racist everyone's a bigot everyone who disagrees with you is disinformation you know yeah um, hate speech hate speech but that's, it's, you know, it's just so repetitive. It's monotonous. It's, put a fun house it, it loses its effectiveness when it's just, it's applied to everybody that you disagree with. Let's try, let's, I, let's put a funhouse mirror in front of these people's faces. Yeah. I saw, um, a while ago, and this is something we all see frequently, but someone posted an article on Twitter about the racist origins of blank. And they said, look, this is this really interesting article. It's like, how could any article calling something racist be interesting at this point? All right, all right. How could you possibly read that and be like, wow, what an original thought. You've called right. something you didn't like racist. Seth. Does that still get clicks? Yeah. Seth, good question. It's, it's yeah. Give me a random noun. Uh, a person, place, or thing. Random noun. Random. Uh, house. Make it, a, make it a good... Oh, that one's too obvious. <laughs> get a little bit more obscure. Dog. That was my first well, thought. Well, that... Okay, I'm gonna put it this way. I gotta go I'm going to yeah, search for it. noun is racist. Yeah. Amygdala. Yeah. Dog okay, is racist. Dog yeah, is racist. Sure it is. Yeah. Dog is racist. Yeah. 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 Why is my dog racist? Oh Can dogs God. be racist? Can dogs be racist? What to do if your dog seems racist? Can dogs be racist? <laughs> what? I That's think their dog question. is racist. Yeah. My dog is racist. Look Every... up dogs are racist. I'm sure you'll see some article about gentrification. <laughs> I, I, I'm pre- and I'm, I remember I'm the sure article, I've seen dude. This before, yeah. I remember the article. What? It's it's the same thing. Ask Amy. I think their dog is racist. I looked up amygdala. The effects of skin tone on race-related amygdala activity. Wow. I mean, maybe, maybe it's like that's, that's Houses are genetic racist. realism or something. Well, this one's easy. Well, of course they are. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that one's obvious. But give, me, give, me, give me a good computer. noun, Seamus. Computer. Oh, computer. come on. Good that one's one. too obvious. No, no, it's not that obvious. Computers are racist. Sour Patch Kids. When computers are racist, rise of the racist robots, master and slave, the fight over offensive terms, can computers be racist? Come on. These are green news guards certified. Artificial intelligence is racist. Even AI is racist. Computer programs are racist. And sexist. Mugs. 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 Let's try mugs. Mugs Mugs are racist. Yeah, Yeah. eyeglasses. Mugs are racist. Mugs. Racist. Oh, now it's selling me stuff. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Capitalism wins Amazon racist coffee mugs. So the thing is, we did learn that there are indeed racist mugs. Turns out you can buy racist racist (laughs) mugs at Zazzle. No, like this one's all selling me. Can Starbucks fix racism with a message on Racism 101, mugs, cocktails, and statues. Bro, I'm telling you, you can get... This one's funny because the entire search is like... They're trying to sell you racist mugs. But there was (laughs) one article. there's a market for it. There's one article talking about mugs, cocktails, and statues, racism 101. Okay, I got a good noun for you. Racist. Racism. Racism is, is racist. Racism? Yeah, let's find out. Probably not. Won't be able to find it. Well, yeah. I mean, I was told I love is it. love, so racism might be racist. I mean, is that, that really a thing, though, racism? I don't know. I mean, the problem there is that I don't think Google search can accurately understand what, what mm-hmm. that yeah. can't gotcha, Google. Can't deal with tautologies. Yeah. Uh, flags are racist. What flags? about us? Yeah. Sword flags are racist. Uh, Confederate battle flag. How Americans feel about the U.S. flag. Why is the Confederate flag racist? Oh, of course. So that's most of the time with the Confederate. Let's do this. Let's do minus Confederate. 
minus confederate. Did I spell that wrong? He's using Google. Thin blue line line. flag. American flag flyers are racist. Yeah, remember the flags on trucks? Journalists are freaking out. He's just, it's all racist. Mowing your lawn is racist. I saw an article about that. Mowing your lawn is. Do any landscaping at all, it's it's privilege. It's super racist. It's better to have tall grass. I, I, Manicured lawns are racist. Decolonized. I'm trying to yeah, find out if ninjas are racist. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure. That was Gad said, though. That was Gad said, though. He could be joking. He's definitely joking. Yeah, you know, right. But I'm not sure if he's actually referencing anything in that joke. Is what how, I, think, I think Ryan Long did this bit where he was like, you know, how to write an article. And then he was like, just what, what was it? He was like pulling nouns and adjectives out of a hat. Yeah. yeah. Why blank is blank. And then he showed all the articles that actually existed. That was just absolutely insane. Dog, dog, the dogs being racist one is actually was a big deal because a bunch of people were pointing out that they were saying dogs are a sign of gentrification and dogs themselves are racist because they like bark at, you know, minorities or something they like do. that. Well, mm-hmm. it's so in a weird way, this is obviously a, a sign of cultural decay, but there's also something here about the bubble that's existed within the new media landscape. So you've talked about this before, but basically you had a lot of venture capitalists investing in blog type websites and news sites. So these companies were way overvalued. They hired a bunch of people to write articles. There's only so many things you can write articles about. So eventually you just got a bunch of stuff about racism and the market became oversaturated with stuff that no one was really reading. Let me, let me talk to you guys about this. We, we briefly mentioned it uh, a couple days ago, the dead internet oh, theory. Yeah. Do you guys know about Interesting this? Interesting theory. Yeah, from the other day, I remember this. The dead internet theory is that in 2016 and 17, that's when major corporations, government figures, took over most social um, mm. elements of the internet and, re- and replaced humans with bots. Or that the bots dramatically outweigh the production of content than humans do. So the internet is actually a zombie. You think you're interacting with other people just like you, but you're really just interacting with bots. And it's, it, it, it's a decent theory. I mean, the idea is simple. Donald Trump was memed into the presidency. Regular people went online and said, here's what we want, and Trump wins. And they went, "Uh uh-oh, that's bad. Then you get a bunch of companies that start running sock puppet accounts and bot accounts trying to make money or manipulate. And not it's not a conspiracy, even though they call it a conspiracy theory. It's like the natural tendency of what corporations would do to try and gain influence and sell products. But I got one more for you. This one's for you guys, uh, Seamus and Seth. I think this is um, bot person theory. The actual, oh, no. the actual conspiracy theory, in my opinion, is that 2016, 2017 is the point at which the internet crossed the threshold of being the most dominant media uh, network for human beings. Newspapers, television, telephone were now underneath the internet. And with all people being online, we're now realizing that most people are as dumb as a box of rocks, effectively non-player characters. So... To, a, to, to somebody who's used to having a real conversation, to being, uh, um, you know, uh, politically discerning or introspective, they're seeing a whole bunch of people post the same thing, repeat themselves, regurgitate. And this is this, this how the theory started. The person basically said, I've seen the same post over and over again. Mm. I've seen the same comments repeated ad nauseum. And I'm just like, you want to believe they're robots, but it could just be that most people are just sheep. Yeah. And are just vomiting up the same thing they heard. And the reality is it's people. Mm-hmm. That's the creepy thing. I, I think it's a better explanation. It's if, if I'm there and I'm real and you're there and you're real and you're there and you're real. We're all there. We're real. There's a lot of real people there. It's not all bots. There's obviously a lot of people involved in this thing. It's not all dead. 
and people do just parrot these lines over and over you and it's mindless you know they just they right. just say whatever they're supposed to say and or what they've heard they regurgitate what they've heard and i see it all the time and it seems like bot behavior but it's really just people we are we have become bots we're mm-hmm. basically just machines just regurgitating stuff yeah and uh you gotta be you gotta be careful not to fall into that trap yourself when you're engaging with them well then you just start saying what you're supposed to say in response to that and you're engaging in your own you know like that's why i post nonsense on twitter that's why i said you know figuratively throw a pie like do something weird i I posted an a trump as a chicken yeah i was you know i've always i thought this my whole life i was just like how come no one ever does anything unpredictable Mm -hmm. like it's not really true that's never but uh, 80 percent of the time it's completely predictable 20 percent of the time you're going to be surprised by what someone does and i was just like for the most part everybody's walking around doing exactly what you'd expect them to do not a single person decides to do anything weird that's why some I'm, people do. Like I started making. Stuff. They're all just thinking really weird things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I started making internet videos. Like, what would Jesus Christ do with this modern technology? He'd make internet videos and try and spread the god. So I was like, I'll do it. And so I did it, and that was weird. And it's not me. That's not weird. It's completely not, routine and boring. Of course, everyone's doing it. Right. Um. It's it's the natural order. Is to what live I'm saying like Jesus. is like, how come no one's buying porta potties and labeling them Shelley Moore Capito? <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? Like, you've got all these powerful, wealthy people who are complaining but doing nothing or doing very little. I think the power of making well, an internet video is, is, is misunderstood. It's, it's not quite the power you have, the resonation of your vibration through voice and vi- light is so powerful. Dude, well, if I'm, if I made 50 million bucks a year or something like that, I would just go to these companies and be like, how many, how, how much will it cost to buy like 10 times square billboards and just put up the same thing? Just doing something weird like ragging on Shelley Moore Capito. Well, so I, I will answer with a Jordan Peterson quote, right? It's like it's not many people are creative. and It's not obvious why you would want to be because like creative people are miserable when they're not doing creative things. And he sort of had this very insightful, interesting explanation there. But yeah, it's basically that. I mean, most people are not creative in the way that we usually define the term. And so... They're not interested in doing those kinds of things. I think when somebody is more creative and they do have means, they're often afraid to do anything interesting with it. Man, that's lame. Just because, like, uh, sure, but I think it's the way things are. Because they're afraid well, of being Elon, told Elon, that they Elon's suck. Elon's buying Twitter. Elon I mean, is cool. a very unique yeah. example, right? And we, we sort of, we talked about this with Jeremy Boring, right? Just sort of comparing Elon to Bezos. And he described Bezos as what, like <laughs> the most, so the most boring, interesting person or most interesting, boring person. Something it's like, like he that. builds a rocket, but it's, it's like not cool. Exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so I, I think you see a lot of that. Um, is it, do you think that people with means that are creative, they're afraid of being told that they suck? Well, no. So I think that's part of it. I think that everyone has an excuse not to do the interesting thing they want to do. Uh, so when you don't have a lot of money, it's, I could never do this because I couldn't afford to. Then when you do have money, well, I could never do this because I could never afford to damage my reputation or risk my wealth. I guess people are scared of their reputations or something. Yeah. I yeah, that's the big thing. brand. Yeah, Every, the and brand. People, people, yeah, yeah. People Just, always have been. I think we put more emphasis on it today, and I think we've been trained to. We become it, very narcissistic, but it's it's huge for people. Isn't there a point where you just have so much money? They say it's fu money, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's not. I I I mean, let, let's be real. Can we name? I guess Elon Musk is buying Twitter, which is cool. It's not particularly outrageous. It did anger many people on the left, but it's actually a relatively. I, I, you, it's 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 a big it's a big bold move, but it's not throwing a pie. You know what I mean? You don't it's, think so? No, no, no. Throwing a pie would be like buying a Super Bowl commercial or, or buying a billboard of Ian in Hollywood, just saying "I remember you" and just like <laughs> culture jamming. 
Well, yeah, I, I just I, from my perspective, I never expected. You know, I was I was trying to think to myself, well, what would be a possible solution to this issue of viewpoint discrimination happening on these platforms? You know, like that there, there's either going to be some kind of a law that's passed, possibly, you know, uh, Congress could get involved in, in draft legislation or the courts could do something. I never in a million years thought, oh, well, maybe the richest man in the world is going to come along, <laughs> describe himself as a free speech absolutist and buy the platform and fix the problem. You know, it was it was a it was a. A curveball was unexpected. So if you go back to the point that you were making about no one ever does anything unexpected, like who expects that someone's going to come in and offer more than the company's worth just to make a point about how this needs to be free I would, speech? I would say it's uh, it's on the line. You know, a rich guy buying something expensive is like, okay, it is, it is surprising that someone made a move like that. But it's not like if Elon came out and said he was going to put $100 million into making a rival news organization, that would be like, whoa. And if, and, but I will say Elon definitely fits the bill. Definitely. Um, because he tweets things at like AOC, like stop making me blush. Like yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but so he's he, definitely doing it. Yeah. He yeah. trolls people very yeah. effectively. But very nice. I, I think it's also a definitional problem, right? Because if you're asking why aren't people usually doing things that are unpredictable, if they were, it would be predictable. I mean, by definition for something to be unpredictable, it has to happen infrequently. But you like, I'm just saying there are a lot of very wealthy people that are, and many of them are, are, are somewhat uh, directly or tangentially involved in like culture war issues. And like, how come nobody just does bold, weird things? Save Elon, right? Cause you know, he tweet, tweeting, him tweeting at AOC was hilarious. Buying Twitter is massive. It's like, I'm just, I, I've, I've talked about this many times. There's, very few people who just do the weird thing. Well, Donald Trump did with the uh, mm-hmm. the Apprentice. That was so weird. But like, that was just a, a and then he did the TV president show. thing. Yeah, but then he ran for president, and he always kind of <laughs> yeah. was weird. That one was weird. <laughs> we, but no, no, we can acknowledge. We can acknowledge. Like we've said this a number of times. If you told someone ten years ago that Trump was going to be president and the deep state was going to try to unseat him, everything that's happened, we would go, I don't believe that. Just, so just some weird thing. Seriously, <laughs> just let's pause for a second. Imagine it's 2012 yeah. and you're like sitting with your buddy and like you're in the living room and you're, and you're, he's like, you're like, I've come back from the future 10 years. And he's like, wow, what happened? You're like, okay, well, uh, Donald Trump ran for president against Hillary Clinton and won. And then a bunch of special interests accused him of secretly working with Russia. And even MSNBC uh, had a guest on entertaining that he may have been a Soviet agent going back to the eighties. Uh, he ultimately won. Then Joe Biden gets elected. Donald Trump supporters think the election was stolen, so a large, uh, several hundred storm the Capitol building during the electoral, vo- uh, the electoral vote counting process. Texas files a lawsuit against Pennsylvania, and half the country and other half the country are now involved in whether or not the election was legitimate. They're going to be like, what? Mm-hmm. That's I'd never be like, so happen. was Obama's birth certificate real or fake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we get to the bottom of that? Yeah, yeah, we ever get to the bottom? <laughs> Did we ever yeah. figure that out? Um, how does lost? End? No, I guess that was probably after so, twenty twelve. Let, let me try and phrase uh, what I mean. It's like because obviously Elon Musk is doing funny things, but like he's not doing funny things like buying a hundred porta potties. And putting the name of a senator on it and distributing them around fairgrounds. You know I, I think mean? you should just do it. You're fixated on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really want to do it. You want to see well, in the well, world. It's a, right. it's a really good example. <laughs> exactly. No, no, it's eight hundred dollars per porta potty. Oh yeah. So oh, nice. you know, it, so we, we spend eighty thousand dollars on a hundred porta potties and then just be like, they're free. You know, like, oh, what's that? You're doing cons- uh, call construction companies and be like, well, just give it to you. Just use it. And they're I, called Shelly Boxes. I think another thing that happens, and this is really insidious, and it's not accounted for often, but there's an entire set of behaviors that we are told are weird and quirky and interesting, but which are really boring and predictable. So a lot of folks feel 
like they're doing something unique or new when they're just sort of going along with the program. So there are a lot of examples of this. We see this with the activism a lot of these companies engage in where they'll they'll make their corporate logo a gay pride flag or something. And it's okay, well that's the most predictable thing you can do, but you think it's edgy and brave and interesting. Mm-hmm. Or at least for a time they did. At this point they're probably willing to acknowledge that this is just the thing you're expected to, and don't, to do. And don't forget July is MAGA month, mm-hmm. so everyone's got to change <laughs> right. their logos to American flags. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna get graphics made. You know, My Twitter profile will be my face with the American flag behind it. I like that. But yeah. I, I mean, how often – I'm sure we've all encountered this where somebody gives you the most banal, predictable, advertiser-friendly perspective as if it's something new and original mm. all the time. I mean, it's constant. It's like whenever someone's like, you know what, like I don't like Christianity or like – well, I oh, – and it's like, okay, I – it's like I understand that, but c- can you acknowledge that that's a very safe position? But people don't do that anymore. Like their view has to be unique and interesting, even when it's plainly banal. Mm. I wonder if it's just you know, if in from in my perspective, most people they play music because they looked at, up to someone and want to emulate somebody else. Most people just want to emulate someone else. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So they want to fit in. They want to stay in line. I wonder how many people genuinely don't care about fitting in. And I wonder if that's technically like a mental illness. <laughs> no, I mean it because yeah. humans are, are, are social beings. You want to fit in to survive. So it takes a very rare individual to be like, literally don't care if I fit in or not. Like what would, what, what would I do if, you know, we were like nomadic tribesmen, you know, thousands of years ago and I was being arrogant, like, I don't want to do what you say. Screw you. They'd be like, get out. And I'd mm-hmm. be like, well, I'm going to go die, I guess, in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. So it's like I talk about making these shelly boxes, but would people really be like – would they be like, that's great? Or they'd be like, you're really disrupting what we're trying to do like, here. I made outhouse. Put poster on it. They'd be like, yeah, leave now. <laughs> yeah. R- rug. They're like, this is why the people leading our tribe. Leave now. <laughs> or or is the reality that the, the outliers and the weirdos end up being the leaders? Sometimes. Sometimes they're snuffed out and you never hear about them. I think what ends up happening is the sociopaths, uh, uh, like the, the narcissists and the egotists end up becoming the, the leaders. People who are like, I should be in charge. And then once they're in charge, like, I can lie, cheat, and steal and do whatever I want because I'm better than you. I think Ben Franklin was a nut job, but he was so organized that he was able to create uh, a periodical, you know, the Poor Richard's Almanac, and distribute propaganda for 30 years to brainwash people into thinking that freedom was the way and that they should revolt against the king. So he worked out. <laughs> do what Ben Franklin did. <laughs> Fly a kite in a storm with a key on it. Yeah. yeah. Absorb <laughs> electricity. It's yeah. time to do that too. Get weird. Yeah. They I'm starting to buy into your he was crazy theory. Yeah, I like, like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Ben Franklin. He's so a polymath, but, they call them. 
Talking about weird stuff, though, but, let's talk about what you guys do at the Babylon Bee. Oh, thanks. Because <laughs> uh, good transition, yeah. good transition. <laughs> no, but I and mean, Franklin. like you're you're you are figuratively throwing pies. You're you're calling out you're you're calling out hidden truth, as it were, through jokes. Mm-hmm. A good example is when uh, you guys had an article that said, "Ingenious move, Donald Trump comes out in support <laughs> of impeachment, forcing Democrats to oppose." And that is a very clever way to comment on the fact that they just oppose whatever it is Trump or, you know, uh, Trump supporters are doing. Yeah, yeah, he said it, therefore it's bad. Orange man, bad. <laughs> Orange man, bad. Well, that's, that goes back to how everybody's like a bot, you know? That's bot behavior, to just have a predictable response to whatever, it, you know, there's something that you're supposed to be opposed to, so you just, you oppose it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, with the internet, though, you know, Instagram and all these things, there's people are... Just trying to do what you're supposed to do on these platforms. Everyone has the same family pictures. They all do the same things. But if you're trying to throw pies and be disruptive, then that's your thing. You're trying to do it. It has to be yeah. something that you're not deliberately trying to do. It just has to be coming from you naturally. It's because that's how you are as a person. You're different. Right. Otherwise, you're both doing something for a purpose. You're trying to get a certain kind of response. People are either trying to fit in or they're trying to be different. I mean, and get a response by being different. That's true. I, I, I don't, I, I don't take issue with someone being like, let's throw a pie figuratively. Cause, you know, don't actually throw pies at people. Mm. But, uh, like when I'm on Twitter, I'll just randomly, I'll post some nonsense if I'm feeling like it. Like I posted Jeremiah was a bullfrog the other day. Cause I just, I just, you know, yeah, yeah I thought it was fun. You, you need know? to be more responsible. There, it was, it was a whim. <laughs> Literally, I was listening to Three Dog Night. And so Joy to the World came on and I just typed it in, hit enter, and so I didn't think catchy. twice. Hmm. And I was like, All right. so you, you made a point about people being bots, and we've sort of talked about this a little bit. There are obviously some issues where it makes sense to to stand strong, have base principles. So when you're talking about something where you would say there is an axiomatic evil, or you're talking about like abortion or, or some matter of like human sexuality, such as homosexuality, you're talking about theft, property, etc. It makes sense that you would have set positions because of what your principles are. But then when it comes to a question of whether a specific person is guilty in a court case or a national story, that's not something you can just jump to one side or the other on. That's something you have to see evidence for. But we are at the point where anytime there is a news story about a police officer shooting someone, a large subsection of the country has decided he's guilty and it was unjustified without any evidence at all. Conservatives are still, are still defending Ahmed Arbery. Mm. Like, yeah, that one, that one, that one to me is like, because we, we had lawyers on talking about that. I one. think my point is there are a lot of stories that we see in the public eye where it's it's just a question of a specific person, their behavior, whether they're guilty of the thing that they're accused of, and people are hyperpolarized on it. And I think this has happened because we're just used to being hyperpolarized, but it's different, right? Because again, when it comes to the other issues, it's a matter of principle. Whether a specific person is guilty or innocent when I don't have evidence is not something that my principles can determine. It's something right. the evidence will determine once we and, get it. But people take sides before they see or hear and, anything of substance and, about the and, case. And the entirety of the left, including establishment Democrats, moderate liberals, default liberals, and leftists, will blindly march in lockstep. Yep. They'll get angry about it. They'll protest about it. And they'll scream in your face and try and take your job. And conservatives are lukewarm and will, will be like, okay, we'll agree with you on that one. I yeah. Think, and the fun thing about satire is it gives you a way to point all of that out in a way that like makes the point, you know? It, right. it it makes it into a joke where you're you're seeing that and you're exposing it for what it is, the absurdity of it. Did you see the uh subverting it. Fast Company wrote an article saying something like beware the far right comedy or whatever or right wing comedy and they're <laughs> like right. from Joe Rogan to the Babylon Bee to like the Daily Wire. And I just think it's funny that uh they 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 still try and push these memes where they're like 
the right can't make jokes or it's not funny. But the weird thing is, it used to be the perception that the, that conservatives weren't funny and the left was. There was in the article they talk about how Fox tried doing some kind of John Stewart show back in the day that just didn't work and it failed. But now you've got Gutfeld, who who on Fox News he's he gets way way better ratings than any of the primetime com- comedians on on major networks. You take a look at the Onion, bro. I imagine Seth that you used to read the Onion. Yeah, of course. What happened to them? So the problem, a lot of the reason why these late night comedians and the onion and whatever are falling off is because they're not, what the comedian, the satirist, the humorist is supposed to be doing is poking holes in the popular narrative, not promoting it. You know, all they do is push it. All they do is push it. And the big tech companies are, you know, trying to rig the systems that you're not allowed to poke holes in the popular narrative. If you do that, then you're engaging in hate speech or you're spreading misinformation or whatever. But this is what's killing comedy, in my opinion. You know, they say, "Oh, we're not funny." Well, we have more engagement and traffic than the Onion at this point. We're the we're the most popular satire site in the world, and they're and they're sitting there saying we're not funny. Well, obviously, we're engaging people, and the reason we're engaging people is because we're actually making fun of the powers that be and trying to uh, hold that power accountable and poke holes in the popular narrative instead of well, promote you, it, which is what comedians I, are supposed to do. I I, I grew up with the Onion because I think they were based on what Milwaukee, I think, and I remember when we would get the physical Onion paper. Uh, when we were in Chicago. Look at this one. Excerpts from Ginny Thomas's emails attempting to overturn the 2020 election. It's CNN. No, it's is, too political. Is that, yeah, right. It's like a they, CNN They weren't political funny. in the early days. Well, well this is the thing. Hold they on. were wait, wait, in no, a way that was actually funny. Here's one. Here's one. Well, you gotta Preacher, go into the slideshow. That's a slideshow. Oh, Preacher great. not drenched in sweat must not be very connected <laughs> to Holy Spirit. There you go. Right, what's, what's the joke? Now, nah, fine. You know, whenever I point this out, there was one story that was literally, it was literally not a joke. And then I was like, legit what is the joke here and they were like you're so dumb you don't get the joke and i'm like i guess so dude i don't care like you can laugh at me because i don't get it that's fine it means i don't read your outlet right you know it's see that it would have been like preachers connected to holy spirit why isn't he sweating they they missed they they missed labels i don't think that one's there it's not funny I'll, I'll, i'll put it this way i mean the onion is not what it used to be they used to be very political and this is, over this the is past clapped, couple of years. This is not jokes. No, yeah. But over the past couple of years, so probably about two or three years ago, I rediscovered the videos that they were producing, I want to say between 2008 and 2011. And they're so funny. Yeah. Their YouTube channel was incredible for just a couple I years. Mean, and part of it was because they actually had a TV show and those clips on YouTube were excerpts from them. Oh, really? But man, yeah. But they... Let's, let's be real. They used to be very funny, even when they got political, is my point. They were the, still funny. And even when they had a message I didn't agree with politically, I thought they were hysterical. The Grabblers video. Mm. That was great. Do you know the Grabblers video? No, I don't know that one. It's an oh, onion man. video? It's an onion video. Oof, we cannot where, play it here. Yeah, yeah we definitely yeah, can't yeah, play yeah. it. Spicy. Even though it's on YouTube. Really funny. Where basically it's a mockery of a morning news show, and they bring on this female author to help them visualize their their stresses. And she's like this little old woman, like, everybody has problems with money. I want you to imagine your money problem. And then she basically goes on to describe Jewish people Ah. Mm -hmm. and then makes a bunch of really offensive jokes. But the point was, what was funny about it was that this little old lady was basically trying to sneak in like these anti-Semitic tropes. And that was the joke. That was the onion that did that. They also had that autistic reporter bit. Mm. Totally ableist. You wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to get away with that these days. They had funny jokes. Now, look, I pulled up this joke. And it's okay. Let me read. Here, here you go. It's, here's here's their joke. Hey, current chief of staff Mark Meadows. It's me, Jenny Thomas, wife of Clarence Thomas, urging you to illegally overturn the results of the 2020 election. As I am involved with a group of alt right radicals 
who, if unhappy with the results, will storm the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. I agree with their goals and methodologies fullheartedly. And again, I, Ginny Thomas, am unabashedly requesting that this illegal action should be taken. Where's the joke? I, but like, this is something ridiculous. I would Colbert. write if the joke was that, like, this is what Democrats think right. a Republican <laughs> is saying. Like, that right. would be the bit. I pulled up there 2001. Actually, I got into Onion in 2001. A boyfriend ceremoniously dumped. I mean, these were the articles. And they were, and they would show a picture of a person's face and they would right. reuse that same. So you would imagine this is the writer. It was like a fake person or, or just some random stock photo they got. So imagining who was saying it helps. The comedy, I thought, yeah. in the early days. You know what I think? Like, it's Clapter, mm-hmm. right? You, you guys know what Clapter is? Yeah, yeah. You're just, so, you're, you just agree. There's like a vague, you know, set up punchline formula, yeah. but it's people when, are clapping because It's they when like Colbert point. comes out and he's like, Donald Trump's dumb. And they'll go, ha, 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 and start yeah. clapping. It's like, he didn't it's say not, anything. It's yet. not amusement you're going for. It's applause you're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I look yeah, at- there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of just avoiding hurting people's feelings by being offensive now. You know, the woke- the woke mind virus, as Elon Musk calls it, has infected all of these comedians on the left, you know? And so they're all the jokes that they would have made years ago that are funny. They're capable of making those jokes, but they're not willing to make them now because they cross a line, an imaginary line that they made up. There was a really good one they did a couple of years ago. Um, the Onion is like 10 years ago. It was Patriotic Teen Fail Spanish. And it was just a video where they're like interviewing this kid as a brave patriot for failing Spanish test. And obviously the point of that joke was to poke fun at the right. But I still, I thought it was hilarious when I saw it. And it's a funny video that now it's not, it's not just that they have a left wing bias. It's that today having a left wing bias means you have to explicitly oppose anything that's even remotely funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's one farmer caught Googling what is corn. It's like, okay. What? Yeah. It's like, all right. Uh, it's a different company with the same name. I don't. Mm. I, it's you a know. problem, man. Companies sell and to now, another owner, and then they keep the same name. That's scandalous. Also, I'd be curious to know because there are clearly some duds here. We're obviously remembering the ones that were really funny. I used to cry That's why they laughing. stick out to us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering also if there's just a selection bias here because none of these are going to stand the test of time. And, and maybe there were they probably were some boring. Like, yeah, but but there were a couple funny ones we saw when we were younger that we really remember. I think um. that stuff that used to be funny is no longer funny too, because we get used to it, and like you got to you got to one up it, you know, you got to take it to the next level or or go home. Th- there was one they did too. Uh, it was like uh, new humane um, Tim. What we were just watching, like new humane death penalty uh, contraption. Like, oh, yeah. rips person's head off. <laughs> it showed they they actually did a you CGI of a machine that clamps the person down, and then a giant robotic claw grabs their head and spins it and rips it off their like, body, and then it raises it up, and a hammer just starts bashing it for no reason. That was funny! It was funny. It was that funny, was like, like 10 years ago. Even stuff like, now, now there's obviously, even with that, you could argue there's vague political undertones. You know, they're making a statement about the death penalty and how bar- barbaric they believe it is, but it's funny. It's funny. You can make yeah. a political point and still be funny, but the, they don't. It was funny because after it already killed the person, a hammer starts bashing <laughs> the head. <laughs> Why would you do that? I'll tell you, some of the, some of the criticism that we've gotten like slate did a piece about us um and a couple other publications have written pieces like this where they say here's the reason the babylon bee is not funny they're not oh. funny because they're rather than having their jokes tethered to the truth or reality their jokes are riding on the back of some political narrative and so what they're saying is there's fake news that we're attaching our jokes to so we're promoting fake news with satire that's like riding on the top of that does that make sense mm, whereas yeah. the onion or left wing comics are rooted in reality and and i feel like it's exactly the opposite yeah. like and the in the validation of that is the fact that our jokes constantly come true you know mm-hmm. we make these jokes and they come true it's like well 
there's a reason they come true. It's because that we were we were on we were onto something. There was a point to the joke that we were making, and reality just caught up to us. Yeah, sometimes within a matter of hours, the onions jokes don't come true as often as our jokes. Their jokes aren't as attached to reality as ours are. Honestly, the onion had two really really good jokes in the past few years. One was presidency already aging Joe Biden ten years, and it showed a, a rotted corpse. Yeah, like. That was good. And then the other one was, uh, this was back in like 2019 or 2020. And it said, naked Andrew Yang appears from time portal to warn us about, you know, AI in the future or whatever. <laughs> like that one was also pretty good. There was, so, and this is something I've experienced before too, with just like cracking a joke about something. And it, it turns out to be true a few years down the line because these people are generally pretty predictable. But there was a, a really great Babylon B article I want to highlight. Public school student can't read, but is already racist at a 12th grade level. <laughs> I thought that, like that's, that's hilarious. That's a good joke. Now, I just, I don't understand how someone can read that and go like, that's clearly fake news disguised as a punchline. It's like, no, that is very obviously a joke. And so a while ago, as I'm sure you know, and I've brought it up on the show a number of times, Snopes did an extremely pseudoscientific analysis of Babylon B articles where they literally, they rewrote the headlines to remove the joke, right. make it sound like it was an actual story, and then asked people, do you think that this is an actual story? And then based on the number of people who said yes, they totaled them as people who thought the original Babylon B headline was a true story. So they said, of course we have to fact check satire. It, Snopes it is, highlighted that study. They didn't conduct the study. Oh, they didn't they like, conduct yeah, the study? Yeah, it was study? done at okay. some university and then they republished it, uh, so the I, findings. But they, they didn't just rewrite our headlines. They literally reworded them so they didn't sound like jokes anymore. No, they, they like, took the jokes out. Yeah, yes. they took the joke out, stripped it of its like comedic you know, structure yes. and removed the image. And the image is usually like a silly Photoshop, you know, like a fake looking photoshop or ridiculous outlandish image they take that away too and just present you with this like you know headline that maybe it could be true i don't know but it certainly doesn't sound like a joke so one, one one example yeah, um people. oh sorry so so one example was you guys did a bit that was like uh and it, it's it's with a picture of some news anchor and it says God allowed the Mueller report to test our unshakable faith in collusion. Um, and they reworded it as CNN news anchor Anderson Cooper said his belief that Trump colluded with Russia is unshakable. Uh, uh, it will not change regardless of statement or evidence to the contrary. That is a completely, completely different. different sentence. Yeah. And so to, to, to ask people if one sounds true and then when they answer that it does sound true to apply it to the first statement is just totally dishonest. How do you, I have issues with satire and that I'm concerned when people don't know it's satire. How do you like, how do you manage that? With people not knowing it's satire? Yeah, because if some article comes up and you don't know ahead of time, like this is a satire newspaper, and mm. which is a lot of times why they ask you to put satire on the, do they, like with your descriptions and like your Twitter or like any other? I mean, they can, uh, it's labeled satire in a sense that if you actually click on our website, you know, like our tagline is fake news you can trust. And like, you know, our about us page is obviously a joke, but we don't put on every article, this is satire, and then close the article with what you just read was satire. You know, we're not just, it kind of kills the joke to, to be constantly reminding people this is a joke. So you can't do that really. Yeah. So you have to just present it. And people either get it or they don't. And a lot of people don't. I, well, I, just, I, w- I want to point out real quick, uh, you mentioned selection bias for The Onion. So I pulled up the Wayback Machine and I looked at a few 10-year-old archival posts. And like, yeah, they're not particularly funny, to be honest. Um, there's a few ones. And I think there's something interesting I, I see here because some of these do make me want to chuckle. Super Bowl veterans much more prepared for big games' unique stresses. Rookies often rattled by pools of boiling blood, scything blades, psychosexual hallucinations. <laughs> like, okay, 
that one's at least a little edgy and it gave me a chuckle. And you look at the modern stuff now and it's kind of just like, eh, you know, like there's one that's like kill your dad and it's like a woman like waving something at her dad. I'm like, it's well, just not Doing there. comedy just, now, you're tiptoeing through a minefield. Comedians are literally getting attacked on stage. Chappelle's yeah. attack. Yeah, that was crazy. Chris Rock was slapped in the face. You know, like yeah. other people, there's, you know, there's stories about that. There was just one in the New York Post a few, a couple of weeks ago, you know, about how it's not just, you've, you've heard about a lot of these cases, but there's cases happening at smaller comedy clubs too, yeah. where comedians are mm-hmm. feeling like they need armed security to go on stage and make jokes because they're going to offend somebody who's going to get violent. Yeah. Or, so, or the right to keep and bear arms. Right. And defend themselves. Right. Yeah. You, you mentioned this. A term that Snopes uses, which is labeled satire, which I, I just also want to highlight. There's something a little bit sneaky there, right? Like this isn't obviously satire; it's labeled satire, right. they claim but it's still it's like it leaves the question of whether you guys intend it to be satire or right. not. That's intentional. Yeah. That's intentional. Or like a news organization that's masked as a satire organization. Mm-hmm. Well, because their position is, and they haven't changed that. Their position is that we are claiming to be a satire site so that we can mislead people. Yeah. How, how does that um, even make sense? It's it was. It's a claim. Uh, new York Times described us as a far right misinformation site that sometimes traffics in misinformation under the guise of satire. Wow. So like a comedian. That'd be like. A, the, that's a long way of saying it's a comedian. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Under the guise of satire, though, you know, we're putting it on. We're wearing the costume. We're we're claiming we're satire. But it says not. satire no, on like, the website. Well, it says fake news yes. at the top of the website. Well, yeah, and also, the, like clear. like he said, the you know the the pictures that go along with the articles yeah. are clearly photoshopped. There's a lot of context clues. Yeah, the, a lot it's of a sort, usually like a setup punchline formula in the headline. Like if um, people are are not discerning enough to understand the difference between reality and fantasy, it's not my fault. I can't. I can't. Well, lower the bar of, of, <laughs> to yes, hook the a, idiots. There's a big Dead difference produce. too, by the way. Human there's, bot theory. It's not the internet. It's the people. Yeah. There's a big yeah. difference between you know a fake news site, and this is what they're trying to lump us in with. You know, you'll see a fake news site that pops up, and they want to get clicks. They do a story about how Kevin Hart dies in car accident, and that's the headline. Kevin Hart dies tragically in car accident. Well, it didn't happen, and that's not a joke. It's not funny. They're just making up a fake headline. It's a lie, and it's a lie that gets clicks because people are like, oh my god. Did Kevin Hart die? And then they share it. So, you know, when we write a joke, you know, that's not what we're, we're not, we're not just trying to like throw something out there that might get clicks. There's a point. There's a punchline, you know, there's a, and the whole thing ties together. The headline, the image, everything, it all ties together. So you're never going to be able to get a hundred percent of your audience to understand that you're doing satirical jokes. Did, you well, you guys don't, will. you don't remember the, the legendary Babylon B article, Kevin Hart died? No. Yes, it was it was Don't huge. It went viral. It was yeah, really tragic. Spread Kevin news. Hart dies yeah. in car accident. That's our yeah. best headline. Yeah. Did, uh, did you guys get banned off Twitter? Did Babylon B get banned off Twitter? There was a, some drama about it a couple months ago or something. Babylon B uh, did a joke. Well, so the U- USA Today named Rachel Levine Woman of the Year. Oh right. And uh, and Babylon B responded to that. We did a joke about how Rachel Levine had been picked as our Man of the Year. And uh, and Twitter didn't like that very much. So yeah, we got uh, we got reported for hateful conduct. And we were told to delete the tweet. Wow. Um, and basically, instead of them just taking it down, which, you know, to my thinking, if they have a problem with this tweet, they can take it down. They don't have to force me to, like, bend the knee and admit that I did something wrong. But they want us to say that we engaged in hateful conduct and acknowledge that and delete the tweet and take it down. And so what we've done, we've been in Twitter jail for three months because we've refused to. Oh, awesome. But, but as yeah. soon as Elon makes that purchase. As soon as Elon makes that purchase. We'll see. I mean, we're... He's given us no assurances, but I would expect that that if he does go through, if the deal does go through, and Elon Musk takes over Twitter, then I would expect that so I pulled, uh, situations like ours would be corrected. 
Well, we'll I, see. I pulled up the Onion from September thirteenth, two thousand one. Yeah, that's what I'm. You're going way back now. That's yeah. when I was reading it a and lot. This one actually, I kind of think it's funny. Guy's gone wild, and it's a fat dude pulling his shirt up with stars <laughs> over his nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it is it is not particularly funny. In that my sucker Jesus has forgiven me for some pretty bad sins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty great. Like, and then this article right here, it's just like congressman admits to sexual relationship. That doesn't even sound like satire. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's just like <laughs> not at this point. I don't even know if it is, to be honest. They like were doing, literally um, just saying Gordon Graham admits to a, an affair. It's like, okay. It's kind of like, I, have you guys been parodying Putin much these days? Like stuff Putin's up to and Putin like eating ice cream and all that crap? Mostly Biden. Not so much Biden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so much Putin. yeah that, I got one here from The Onion in 2001. Starving bandage bin Laden offers U.S. one last chance to surrender. And I mean, that was, to me, it was like crying. and la- I was working at Ground Zero at that yeah. period of my life, like smelling the... The wreckage, the mm. whatever it was, the bodies or the, the, and it was still hilarious, hilarious because it wasn't hateful. Mm. I mean, this, they're not doing it to hurt people, right? It's like you gotta, you gotta enjoy life, even the chaos. And soldiers will tell you that too. In the middle of the heat of the battle, you still gotta, you gotta find humor mm-hmm. in like some of the craziest stuff. I guess it's because it's lacking. The argument is that it's lacking context when it's just like a post with no. I don't know what is it on Twitter. There's like no picture, or but if so, if that were the case, then why wouldn't they conduct an actual, reasonable, scientifically done analysis of the headlines as they're actually written, rather than butchering them I, and then claiming that? Because I, I, I just got I just got to point out real quick. Um, I had to frantically click away from the Onion because back in 2000 they had a racial slur on their front page for like four days as oh, part of wow. one of their jokes. Really? Yeah, they set the so, fuck up. Man. <laughs> maybe I changed the maybe they shot. were a bit more edgy back then. I don't know. I was like, oh, we can't show that. It was the Wild West for better or worse. I do think I don't think that it's bad these days. Like I don't people call it a dystopia and stuff. I just think it's always been this crazy, and now the the, the curtain's been pulled back, and we can see the inner workings of the beast. I think that when they are accusing you of basically hollowing this out and using it as a skin suit, all they're doing is projecting. Mm. Because this is what we see them doing with every single institution they touch. That's all they ever do. And they're talking about how you're like conveying a political message but trying to do it with comedy. They're trying and failing to do this with people like Colbert and The Onion. They're doing it incredibly poorly because they have no self-reflection. They have no humility. They can never be wrong. And those are things that are required. You need to be able to make fun of yourself because, you know, if you make fun of yourself, you'll never win out of material. Right. They cannot do it, but they're trying. I think they're really jealous of what you're doing at the Babylon Bee. That's kind That's of what possible. I Well, with. I think you undermine them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did They did actually make fun of us a little bit. They were kind of like, without naming us, you know, they were they were making jokes about how they'd been suspended on Twitter and this is their last tweet, you know, like, or the, right. they can no longer tweet and they're tweeting that, you know, so they were kind of like ironically like, like tweet. The, what's the joke? It, the yeah. joke was that we were, I guess, like putting it on that we had, we were being suppressed mm-hmm. or, or, but we still are on Twitter and we can still tweet if we want to or something like that. The joke was that we're faking it. I don't know. It wasn't it's really abundantly clear. It wasn't abundantly clear. And no one got it because no one knew what they were referring to. Exactly. Like their audience has no familiarity with what's going on with us and, right. our, mm-hmm. and Twitter. So it's just kind of like it got no engagement, no reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so, Lydia, you made a really good point about projection. And this is something I, I kind of want to talk about for a moment here. When I write a joke uh, or someone pitches a joke to me for Freedom Tunes or I write a rough concept that I want to shop around to friends, nobody goes, I, I like the political point you're making you should make that one it's like they'll either go "Eh, i don't like that one oh that's funny you should do it right so people will still discern whether something is funny or not even if they agree with it politically and i know that you know i've spoken with people at babylon b who have told me that you know the headlines will get shot down all the time and then you try to come up with the one that's funniest and so 
what they don't realize is when we're writing jokes, we're not sitting down going, how are we going to get them? Like, how are we going to get the other side? It's just something comes to your mind that you think is funny and then you end up producing it. And but that's not how they write their I, humor. No, and that, so by the way, they think we're doing no, hold, hold what they're on. doing. Real yeah. quick. I just pulled up the Babylon B. And the first thing I see is Nancy Pelosi recommends avoiding pain at the pump by becoming a millionaire through inside the pain. <laughs> oh that's, that's, that's really good. <laughs> that's awesome. And even the left should find that funny. Everyone <laughs> yeah. knows Nancy Pelosi is like that Pelosi stock tracker. January 6th musical. Right. I need to yeah. watch this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did you? Uh, oh, were you, were you, well, what I was going to say is, you know, the, the, the only, really the only consideration when you're, when you're writing a headline, you're pitching a headline is, is, is it funny? You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, does it make the point that we want to make? Well, that's kind of really secondary to, is it funny? It's got to be funny first. You got to lead with that. And the, where they want to get your head, because this is the criticism that we have is that, you know, this, we've engaged in a hateful conduct with the Rachel Levine joke, right? They want you thinking to yourself, you know, am I making fun of someone who's beneath me? Am mm-hmm. I punching down at someone who's marginalized and oppressed while I'm privileged? <laughs> that person in you a know? very high position of am government. I, yeah, yeah. The, the, the white male high-ranking government official, am I punching down at that person, right? Um, but that's, that's where they want your head at. They want you thinking in those terms. I'm like, I'm not sexist or racist i don't think people are beneath me like imagine thinking mm, to yourself yeah. imagine thinking to yourself you know what i shouldn't joke about those people they're, they're beneath me, me. Oh, we're working yeah. beneath yeah. me. Yeah. it's so condescending like we should be able to joke about each other indiscriminately right so so you know having to put your head in that space i think is really unhealthy but that's where their comedy writers are at they're like oh i'm a white male with privilege writing jokes i've got to be very careful about all the people i could be punching down at yeah i can't so stand we're, it when we're working white... on a video game Man. and in mm. the video game characters can be randomly generated as any race and there's going to be a character customization menu and so we made the joke like if we made an anti-racist mode that took all of the left's ideology and applied it to the racialization of the characters in this game like it really helps you understand just how racist they are yeah like what their view of of people's race was applied to a video game actually quantified the, the game, game would be banned the game would yeah. be banned instantly because yeah, you'd right, be like yeah. it'd be racist well yeah. the the idea is like if we removed the stereotypes or inverted them it exposes just how racist they really are like the idea that white people are privileged and have all these special benefits if you actually enacted that in the game, then characters based on the, co- the the race you choose for your character would have different stats right away. It's already like right. can they jump higher, not jump higher. I'm not going to get into how awfully racist it would be, but we could not apply anti-racism to the game because it's equally as racist as being mm-hmm. just typically stereotypically racist. Right, And they want you to think of the world in those terms when you're writing jokes. It's like, well, you know, can't, can't joke about women. Women are beneath me. They're They're beneath me on the power structure because i'm a man it's like come on you know it's yeah i got pushed to think that i was better than other people because of my skin color it was disgusting i don't know how to defend or even to, to respond to that like i see people's eyeballs were like brains floating in meat sacks i don't know mm. obviously they skin tone has some value they literally mm. will say to you though they're like ian accept that as a white person you are better than other people why don't you do it and right. you're like right. no yeah. no i, I want to yeah. help people and i'm not going to stop helping a certain kind of person or like a certain color of person or a certain height of person i'm not going to stop but the the thing is too it's like how are we punching down by the way making jokes like you mentioned this is a high-ranking government official or whatever but but these ideas that we make fun of you know if we're making fun of um you know progressive gender ideology you know that's coming from from all the biggest corporations the universities the government officials um, you know, it's coming from everywhere. Media and entertainment. It's being 
shoved down your throat from the top down and god forbid you make a joke about it you're punching down on the marginalized and the oppressed if people can like silence you and punish you and deplatform you for merely joking about them do they really lack power? Yeah. Are they really marginalized? Right. Are you really in a position of power over them? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. You have to actually control what you say in order to not be punished by them. They're in the they're the ones in the position of power in that situation. There's actually that's a good quote. point. What's that quote? If you want to know who holds the power in society, look at to who you can't you criticize. Can't, that, that was a Nazi who said that. Mm. What was, was that? It was a, it was was a neo Nazi who wrote that. Well, it's Wild. true. Yeah, neo, that's a neo Nazi quote. Okay. Doesn't well, mean it's, it's whenever, wrong. Whenever I mean, I'm not power. And and I think it's a really bad quote too. Because, like, the, the idea that because you can't criticize someone means they have power over you is just not true either. Well, what, just, yeah, but what it... That's literally not true. I think that is does indicate that. How, how do you think it doesn't? Like, a, a, a disabled uh, person, like, a, a, a child with leukemia doesn't have any power over your yeah. life, Ian. But you can't criticize them. Like, you it's can. not it's not okay to go out there smack-talking a bunch of, like... like It is okay. A child who's dying of cancer you don't criticize them because it's just like not cool. But if you're part of a protected group and everyone is going to come to your defense and make sure that you don't have a job anymore if you make fun of someone who's in that protected group, then that then them with that group at their back, they have all the power. And but you're it's a the political faction, ju- not, the, not the victim group they're, they're using. You know what I mean? You're right. saying cancel culture? See, that's actually a Voltaire like that, quote. That, this it's, is, it's wasn't not, a Nazi. No, it was falsely attributed to Voltaire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because people are trying to, to, I, I can't wow. stand this, this, this stuff they do because they're trying to talk about the Jews and they, and they try to manipulate their way into getting people like you, Ian, to, to use their quotes. <laughs> yeah. Well, ask like, Quora about it. We as a society don't like it when you criticize the dead, the yeah. recently deceased. Mm. We like to go to funerals and be like, the, the dead person has no power over you, but you can't criticize them. Okay. They're not alive. You say living people. Sure. A child who's a burn victim saying like, that was a disgusting thing you just that people are going to be like dude you need to chill out that yeah but the, burn the, the kid can't do anything to you it's the people if you criticize the someone political faction other people like cancel culture will raise up but if you criticize someone to their face and and something bad can happen to you that means that they have some sort of power over you i do think that it's true that when people get into power they become very sensitive and touchy mm-hmm. um you know there's a reason there's a court jester making fun of the king you know it's the people in, in power bristle at being mocked. They can't bear to be mocked. Yeah. They can't bear to be, be ridiculed. And so they're very likely, especially the more authoritarian they lean, they're more likely to clamp down on speech to prevent that so they don't look bad. I mean, look at North Korea, for example. You know, you, you can't make certain jokes. And you have to so, call him dear leader. You can't even just yeah. call him Kim Jong-un. I mean, you got to call him the dear leader. Exactly. Yeah. You're not on a first-name basis? Kim, the I, call leader. Him, I call him okay. Un personally, but Un? Yeah, he's just a buddy of mine. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of the exercises of power. One of the exercises of power is to make sure that people can't criticize you. It's to retain the power by shielding yourself from criticism and mockery. And so I think there's legitimacy to it from that, from that angle, at least. I, I think, you know, when it comes to the U.S. and it comes to censorship, there is, they, they don't have power over us. They, ha- they, they control the systems they control and we've given them the power because we use their systems. We adhere to it. Yeah. But look at what's been happening over the past few years. Look, a lot of companies tried launching and the machine tried crushing them. Gab was, was, you know, smacked around a bit by the big tech companies. But in the end, they couldn't win. And now you've got Rumble is taking off massive support because finally there are people who are just like, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Mm. So Rumble's doing cloud infrastructure. They're supporting Truth Social, which is massive engagement. You've got the Rumble video player. You've got the launch of parallel economy payment processing services. It's all starting to happen. Is and this an ad? Are we doing an ad read now? <laughs> are we on? No. No. Well, it, but, but just but when it you, is happening. When you say that we've given them power, I agree with that. I mean, when people ask me, like, well, you know, 
you, you talk about speaking boldly, speaking the truth boldly, whatever, you know, saying what you think. Uh, what if I do that and I lose my job? I'm like, well, why do you think you'd lose your job? Because you'd be an outlier if you spoke your mind, right? Well, why, why are you an outlier? Well, because everyone else is self-censoring. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is self-censoring. You probably work in a company where half the people agree with you, but they're afraid they to speak know. their mind. And I, say, I think when we self-censor, we're doing the tyrant's work for him and giving them power they shouldn't have. You know, I've always – I just, man, for whatever reason, cared substantially less than other people. I remember when I was working for the ABC company, I would just, like, say it. Somebody would have, like, something on their desk. i like, oh, that's wrong, by the way. And they'd be like, huh? And I'd be like, here, let me show you. And I'd like, here's why your feminist weird pay gap thing is not true. <laughs> and there, they'll get really angry about it. There's a value yeah. to discerning to know when to speak. Like, because if, if you're the only one that stands up and says it, you might get the hammer come down right. like that. But if right. you can – coordinate a bunch of people to rise uprise you know then you get like a letter to the editor from like 60 people will sign it and it's like well, i can't i can't afford to lose my employees mm-hmm. what's what's that breitbart quote about the fire i don't know i remember exactly what he said something like walk towards the fire i can't remember exactly what he said but someone either like created a derivative version of it and it was something like you know people are scared they see the fire they're scared they're, they're told if you go near it, it'll burn you but then those who are actually brave enough to jump through it see on the other side is freedom. So it's a walk toward the fire. Don't worry about what they call you. All those things are set against you because they want you to stop in your tracks. But if you keep going, you're sending a message to the people who are rooting for you. You're agree- Who are agreeing with you? The message is that they can do it too. Yep. And also if you stop and stand in a fire, you get burned. But if you run through it, you're not going to feel so, the so heat. That, that, that's what I, I, I was talking might. with someone about it. And I, somebody else I was talking to took that quote and the, and the version they said to me was basically like, you know, we all see this fire and we know it burns. We know it's scary. So everyone's just staying back from it, but they're being singed by the heat. Some people are brave enough to run towards it, jump through it. On the other side is a beach. Mm. People are celebrating, having a good time. And so for me, it was never hard because I just, people want to push this nonsense stuff. I just don't care. Like I've, I've, I've dealt with hardship and I'm just like, you can't take anything from me. You can fire me. You can boot me out. What's my worst case scenario? I'm chilling, man. I'll go skate. Skateboarders, we've always just wanted to hang out, sleep under a tree, and go skate, cram ourselves in a single bedroom apartment. So you got no leverage here, buddy. But now, like, there's a community being built on the other side of that fire. There's the Babylon Bee. There's new infrastructure that's coming. And if you just say enough, don't know, don't care, you will be supported. Uh, James O'Keefe, he gives jobs to the to the whistleblowers. He mm. raises money for the whistleblowers and people donate to the whistleblowers. They're not left high and dry. He keeps supporting them to make sure that they're not left holding an empty bag. Mm. And as th- this, you know, f- this faction or whatever, people who believe in freedom keeps expanding, growing and gaining more power and access, there's more opportunity for more people to speak up because you won't be left behind. Uh, what do you guys think about mean jokes? Like comedy, I guess I'll ask you particularly because you're here, Seth, but like, what do you think about like the difference between jokes that are like, that have a butt to the joke, like a person or a or type mm-hmm. of person versus like other forms of comedy, like, you know, a funny saying or something. Well, I mean, generally speaking, like what we do, like satirical comedy is meant to be, um, it's meant to make you laugh, but also make you think it's like, it's more like there's supposed to be some, in some way that it like cuts you, makes you sting, but for a healing purpose. Right. So it's more like a, sc- a surgeon's scalpel. That's like, intended for the purpose of like removing something bad so that it heals better than it was oh, to begin with like a vaccine rather than yeah like a vaccine there you go yeah for children so like um <laughs> so it's uh it, I, I think that jokes are fun. generally 
the idea that the jokes are mean because we're often accused of, of being mean and being cruel with our with our jokes and well, it's, well maybe you're looking at it the wrong way you know like jokes even you can take it that way i guess you can be offended by it you can get really upset about it are you talking about a joke that's just like you know calling somebody fat or something like that where there's no redemptive purpose to it and it's not like wit meted to moral concern or something like that where where you're trying to like make a point i like i'm asking are you are, oh, you, are you are you talking um, about something that's just mean to be mean-spirited yeah, yeah. Or or let's go let's say what you're saying like you use someone's fault uh to make a greater point. Mm-hmm. Um I personally I mean I'm not really into like this guy's uh, a dog and here's why. And yeah. it's like look at all the five ugly things about that guy and then people no, are like yeah, watch like, him fall down on a banana peel. No, I see more I I see like a like a moral reason to do comedy that is like that attacks but more ideas than people. You know, it's like ridiculing bad ideas. It's going after them and trying to tear them down so that they're not like as appealing as they were. And imagine how much better off we'd be, by the way, if more comedians were doing that. You have all these bad ideas that are infecting children's minds. Mm. You know, we've got all these, we got like high de- depression rates and suicide rates and, 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 you know, 10 year olds transitioning and wanting to get on puberty blocking hormones and all this stuff. Imagine if comedians were doing a better job mocking the insanity of all of this. And making it less appealing. Mm. Instead, you've got everybody promoting this stuff like it's great, and you're not even allowed to make fun of it or it's hate speech. You know, like com- comedy can play a role in that kind of stuff I wanna, by I wanna, mocking bad ideas that are harmful for society. I want to show you this, uh, this. We'll pull this video real quick. I'm not going to play the video, but this is a video called Open Mic. Uh, open Night. It, was, it used to be called Open Night Massacre. Open Mic. Now it's called Open Mic Night Becomes a Massacre When Liberal Arts Hecklers Take Over. This caused chaos at huh. Fusion. So oh, this is several years old. Several years old. This yeah. is 2015, and this is back when I worked for Fusion. This came out, and I said, this is one of your your best videos. Because I was talking to the, the higher-ups and how they can get their videos to get more traffic because they were struggling. And I was like, this one's big. Basically, it's a stand-up comedian. No matter what he says, they boo him and call him racist or offensive. And then he's like, no, I feel like I can't say anything. And they're like, no, it's a free speech zone. And then they boo him and throw tomatoes at him. This one pissed off the entire staff. They said it was racist. And then the higher-ups were like, why did we make a video insulting our audience? And then I was like, dude, you guys, this is like the only funny video you have. Right. Then they start, they, they did eventually go on to make um, celebrity mockery videos, which also was just like general pop culture humor, which was fine. But at the time, this was relevant, politically savvy, and it was funny. And it got half a million views in a couple days. And I was like, it's because it's good and people like it. And it's funny. And they were like, no, nope, nope, it's insulting our audience. We can't have that. Mm. Uh, Ian, you were sort of asking this question about making fun of people. And it's it's honestly a good one because it's something I've wrestled with too. Um, and I would tend to agree with you that you want to attack ideas more so. I do think sometimes there's still room to make fun of people, mm-hmm. but I find that what tends to be most cruel about our society is what we choose to affirm rather than what we choose to ridicule. So we will let people believe that they're capable of doing something they're not capable of and then just watch them get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's a lot more cruel than just being blunt with them and saying, no, absolutely not. You can't do that. Oh, be, oh what are you going to do? Well, yeah. So, I mean, for example, we've talked about this before, but 
on American Idol, what they would often do is tell someone who couldn't sing at all that they were a wonderful performer and that they should sing in front of the judges, and then well, they would, and it would be unbelievably they, humiliating for they them. Wouldn't, they wouldn't tell them you're the best. They would say... But they would pass them on to the next right. round even though they yeah. knew they you couldn't sing. Now, yep. now, now, what would be... Now, I'm not saying if you knew that person, personally, the best approach would be to make fun of them. Like I think it's, it's a, a case-by-case basis whether humor is the best approach, but... I think it would be less cruel if someone came to you and saying that way to poke a little fun at them than to say, oh, no, you're great. Go on live television and sing in front of everyone. But our society is really committed to doing the latter in virtually all circumstances where we encounter that problem. It's the exact same reason why somebody will have spinach stuck in their teeth and no one will tell them. Oh, you got to tell them. Tell them. Yeah. I I, I never understood that. I never, I never understood that. I see someone and they got like a thing on their teeth. They're like, "Hey, you got something on your teeth?" They go, "Oh, thanks." Tell anyone, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, but people don't want to do it. They're like, "I'm not going to say anything." Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Will. Uh, he was on Chamberlain, and I think he had chocolate on his face. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't this notice has a cut on his face." Yeah, I didn't know, know. so I didn't yeah. say anything. But sorry, Will. Next time I'll call it out. <laughs> it was like chocolate. <laughs> what, or something. Um, what, one of the things you, I was thinking about where you're talking is obesity, because mm-hmm. people used to tell fat jokes, and that's like, I think obesity isn't the person; it's the idea, it's yeah. the behavior that you can eat whatever you want and that you don't have to fast and that you can eat sugar and that fat's bad, sugar's good. So it's these ideas. You can poke fun at the ideas, maybe not at the person by name and showing their body, but I mean, you know, how do you yeah. poke fun at the idea of obesity without showing someone? I mean, you can have a computer-generated person. Yeah, but yeah. Good, good comedians make fun of themselves. You know, you right. had like, you know, Chris Farley would make jokes at his own expense all the time, you know? Fat for guy being in a overweight, coat. fat guy in a little coat, right? You know, and and it's funny, and he's willing to laugh at himself about it. Yeah. And we've lost that. We've lost that ability to be able to say, you know what? I'm not perfect. There are actually things about me that are worth making fun of and laughing about, mm-hmm. and they're flaws. And it's okay to recognize them as flaws and like laugh about it and mm-hmm. have a sense of humor about it, rather than being so uptight. Like, oh, if someone makes fun of my physical appearance, you know, the, I'm the, distraught. The I, I'm destroyed and I can never recover from that. You know, we're by creating safe spaces, we're harming people by never exposing them to even jokes that like confront them with their flaws. I think the, uh, one of the big splits that happens in the, uh, in the culture war between left and right has a lot to do with participation trophy parents versus parents who didn't do that. Right. So it feels like one of the big things that divides left and right the left, they're entitled, but they're also very soft. They need safe spaces, mm-hmm. trigger warnings. When someone says a mean word, they think it's violence because quite literally they've never been insulted before. I mean, imagine this. You grow up in a, in a, in a town or whatever with participation trophy, trophy parents, snowplow parents who, who bulldoze every obstacle. No one's allowed to say mean words. You've never in, been insulted in your life, let alone never had someone flick your ear. All of a sudden now you're an adult. You go on Twitter and someone goes, <laughs> you're dumb. And they go, <gasps> Mm. It's the first time I've ever felt this pain. Why are you calling me dumb? It's like, I've been spit on and shot at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I don't think it's an argument for, you know, bullying and meanness no. and cruelness are, are, are good things. It's more of an argument that, like, you don't build resilience of character if you don't face challenges. And you're mm-hmm. not, like, and you're not having to deal with the fact that, you know, you're not perfect and not everybody's going to be nice to you. You know, and you can't expect that everybody's going to be nice to you and you can't require that everyone treat you perfectly in order for you to be like healthy mentally. Like mm-hmm. that's not, that's not a good place for anybody to be it's, in, especially yeah. kids. It's ego. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think also just, just going back to the question, cause you were talking about obesity here. Um, and you, you asked about 
using humor with that. I think, I, I think the approach is using humor, like you said, to kind of toughen people up can work, but then it can have the, the reverse effect. So for example, if you have somebody claiming you're healthy at all sizes, that's just ridiculous. And you need to make fun of it because if people believe that they're going to end up indulging in foods they shouldn't eat they'll get overweight and then they'll never lose the weight because they'll be able to justify it to themselves right they'll end up being miserable so i think it's very good to make fun of that idea but then like pointing at a specific person who's overweight and just ripping on them for being overweight well they're probably not going to lose weight if you do that because you're reinforcing in their mind this idea that like they're just fat and gross and it's actually a good example to bring that up because look at all these shows like eric cartman in south park Mm. or homer simpson Mm -hmm. or peter griffin you know like the punchline and there's a punchline in every episode that has to do with their weight, mm-hmm. right? Like phys- their physical characteristics. Um, and it's, and it's funny, you know, the mm-hmm. jokes about oh, yeah. Homer eats donuts all the time. You know, he's lazy. He sleeps at his workstation. And, and you know, he's, when he had the, yeah, uh, he's the, like, the drinking bird hitting the Y on the keyboard. Right. <laughs> that was great. He's the yeah. villain. I actually tweeted that out. Homer Simpson's a villain. And people were like, no, no. It's like, dude, don't use that as a role model. That guy yeah. beat his kid. He's yeah. severely <laughs> he overweight. He was severely abusive to his kids. He strangled, he strangled his son. Like, yeah. Over and over again. Bart, you know, is you know, a devastation because of his poor parenting. Yeah. You know, I blame Homer. That's true. Yeah, I, I mean, blame Abe, but I blame Homer. Yeah. The, 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 I think the worst cartoon character is probably Peggy Hill. You ever watch King of the Hill? That, that woman is Not a really. sociopath. Like yeah. textbook, mm-hmm. like narcissistic sociopath. The way she like neglects her family and is, and is very, like she doesn't hear what people are saying. She's gotta be on some psychoactive mm-hmm. crap, like pros, some oh, sort of weird. cartoon character, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Because she's not there. She's not emotionally available. She's always like just, okay. She doesn't speak Spanish but claims she does. Like she's like a a narcissistic borderline personality disorder, hysteronic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, crazy. But yeah, you make a good point. Uh, Homer would strangle his son and his son was, uh, would lash out and, and act, you know, inappropriately. And it's probably because his dad beat him. It was probably because his father's an alcoholic. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, yeah. But it's an so alcoholic. funny because like the fact that Homer's like, I love the Simpsons, by the way. I love the early seasons, but the fact that he's like literally an alcoholic is just played for life. And I don't think he's ever called an alcoholic really. Right. I, I don't but think it's so. like, yeah. no, the man is literally an alcoholic who beats his child. Yeah. <laughs> who falls then, asleep but at But then his at the end of the episode, you root for him. It's like, this is a genuinely horrible No, person. Frank Grimes didn't. No, it's true. Frank Grimes is the one character that he sends on the show. And he ended and that's up why grabbing he... the power cables. Do you remember that one? He's <laughs> like, I don't need to wear gloves. I'm Homer Simpson. It's a really dark he... episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that show, yeah. man. Yeah, but early early episodes, they were edgy. It was funny. Mm-hmm. And it's that's part crazy. of the point, too. Like, part of the point is Homer is terrible. Like, mm-hmm. that's but part of the joke. It, isn't it interesting how shows back in the day were like a wholesome family dealing with, like, you know, ch- issues of, with their kid growing up? And then slowly over time, shows became more and more dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Then you ended up with, like, Married with Children, which was one of the most oh, – yeah. I think it was the highest yeah. rated sitcom at the time. We when were it was allowed to watch That it. was about the same time that The Simpsons came on, too. It was early late 90s, 80s, right? Yeah, yeah, early yeah late 80s. 80s. I, I really, really despised Married with Children. Because I couldn't stand the fact that they were all just awful people. Yeah. yeah. But more importantly, it was that uh, Al lost everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he would always lose. And I'm like, I just, I want to, you know, I want to root for someone. But I guess the idea is he's a bad person, so he doesn't deserve it or something. Yeah, I, have no idea. Yeah. I thought Peggy was good. She was an idiot. But, like, is it because she kept, like, just supporting Al's doofusness that she was also Do you know, piss the, poor? The, there's one episode I liked, and it was where... Finally, you know, like Al Bundy punches a guy, and then it ends with him saying they won a lawsuit. Him with Peggy, they're loving and laughing with each other, and he says, "I sued him for hurting my fist on his face." 
And like, I guess the point was it's always backwards or something. Mm-hmm. But that was the one where I was like, he won and his wife loved him. And I was like, that's the one I can remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All the rest of them are just like the family hates, everybody hates each other. And I don't know. I wouldn't want to watch it. Well, we see this a lot, but there's a lot of comedy that just gets way too mean spirited and the characters all hate each other. There's this joke that basically every television show does. Because they think it's like edgy and interesting, but almost all of these shows have moments where, like, for a gag, one of the characters like ends up betraying another character who they're supposed to be friends with or who's a family member. It's like, okay, that was like somewhat funny for that one joke, but you've totally undermined the relationship between the characters. And, and so many shows are like willing to sell out character development like that for a punchline. Right. You know what show is actually really good though is it's always sunny. Oh yeah. They're, those people are just deeply narcissistic and just very, very bad people. And it's great. I haven't I haven't watched the later episodes though, but uh, you know, earlier seasons were just absolutely fantastic. Well, and I wonder if they just keep ramping it up, right? Because that's kind of yeah. what people would say about Seinfeld. Like in Seinfeld, they're all really bad, and then it's always Sunny takes it to the next level, and then yeah. who knows? Five, ten years from now, it's going to be even more insane and evil. How do you get more yeah, insane than yeah. it's always Sunny? Yeah. Like the episode where they're going to become crack addicts. I'm sure they say they said the same thing about Seinfeld at the time. I like, know. what? How do you get worse than airline food, man? How are we going <laughs> to, you know, how are we going to? Get past that. Yeah. But now it feels like modern shows are getting scared of being that edgy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It'd be mm-hmm. like it's always dark in Philadelphia, and then it would be like just showing the street violence right now. Yeah. It's not like, funny. Didn't It's Always Sunny remove some episodes or something? Yeah, I think they did. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they removed some Fringe. offensive episodes. Well, another. so there's another thing that happens, too. It's an interesting phenomenon in media. But when the economy is doing poorly, comedy tends to be more popular. Because people want an escape. They want something funny. And so I also wonder if maybe dark comedy becomes more popular when things are going well. But when things are difficult, people don't want dark comedy as much because they're already seeing some of the bleakness of reality. Yeah, that's why I don't watch horror movies because reality is horrifying enough Mm. when I think about the Uh, economy. and No, horror movies, horror is my favorite genre, but it's just been lacking. It's terrible. Yeah, they've just... I I loved the campy B-horror movies of the 80s. I like Dr. Sleep. That was a good one, yeah. That's a sequel, right? Of, yeah. What was yeah. that sequel for? The Shining. The Shining. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Stephen King's kind of a weird guy, though. He writes about, like, kids in in really creepy ways. Yeah, I wish yeah, he weren't yeah. so creepy. <laughs> that's a weird thing. I don't think people understand that there was a joke in uh, American Dad where they find a script for The Fast and the Furious or something. And then they realize that in it is a bunch of, like, gay erotica. Huh. And so they take it out. And they're like, that can't be in there. And then they bring it to the studio, and they're like, oh, great. Hey, wait a minute. Where's the gay erotica? They're like, normally that's supposed to be in there. And they're like, what? So this, I think that's a play on Stephen King because a bunch of his books and stories, there's like really bad stuff in there. And they're like, this is a great story. Let's take that it, really offensive it, stuff in the story. Yeah. It, I think maybe you told me that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, Jeez. Well, yeah. I'm not talking about it online, so but good. that's uh He writes a graphic – a mm-hmm. graphic section about children doing adult things. We'll yep. put it, yep. and yeah. for no reason, just right. literally, he's like, "I'm now going to write this, and it's going to so be in the book." And you're like, "Why? Like, why is that?" Horror? He also, he also door. literally wrote a story that's just about a dude recalling, uh, no good, bad things happening <laughs> to him. Let's yeah. put it, and and in extreme detail, like, wow, that's what I, I had a Stephen King book because I, I when Secret Window came out, I was like, I, I liked it. And then I was like, I'd be interested. I, I, I heard that the store was actually a little different. So I got the book that had the collection in it. And I'm like, oh, let's start reading it. And then I just threw the book. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what is wrong with that man? <laughs> yeah, like I, he, he – he, it, it's Twisted horror. They say yeah. horror, it's okay. Like violence is fine. 
uh, nudity, fine. But as soon as it's like graphic sex on kids, yeah. not fine. Still horrifying, but not – it's a little too close to home. What is it? Because they think it's brainwashing people and making them more towards that. Like a horror movie a horror movies making people more violent. I don't know. I mean, there's you could definitely have a debate about whether or not that's healthy entertainment, I guess, even with just straight horror movies, though. I mean, I've never it's never been my favorite genre. I always just feel weird watching people like, you know, for entertainment, like slaughter each other. Yeah. I don't know. Like if it's a context like war, if it's Braveheart, you know, and they're like carving each other up on the battlefield, it's different than like a chainsaw massacre. Yes. You know? Okay. So and that's a really important point, right? Context matters. So in Band of Brothers, there's a lot of violence, but there has to be because they're trying to give you an accurate depiction of the Second World War. Right. Right. That's not the same as we're just going to have gratuitous violence because we love violence. We're going to go to Super Chats. If you have not already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and share the show with your friends? Head over to TimCast.com and become a member because we're going to have that fa- uh, not-so-family-friendly, uncensored episode coming up at 11 p.m. tonight. Now we will read your Super Chats. X says, encourage your followers to contact their senators to attach an amendment to repeal the Hughes Amendment to the new gun control bill. What does that one do? What's the Hughes Amendment? Don't know. How about every single person just calls your senator or congressman nonstop saying, do not sign on to this bill? Don't organize it a time, a specific time on a specific day, and then repeat that. It's Mm -hmm. super powerful. Can you call them personally? Like, like if you called their personal, is that, is that I allowed? doubt is that it. I think you can only call their office. I mean, it might well, be considered harassment if you call their phone, home phone or something. Would it be? I would feel like I'm getting harassed if people are calling my home phone. Joshua Harrison says leftists just stormed the Wisconsin state capitol over abortion rights. Never forget 622. That's right. I saw that. Never I saw forget. That. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They went inside. Yep. Yeah. Filled yeah, yeah, it yeah. up. Yep. It was an insurrection. Really yeah, insurrection. Yeah. Yeah. Insurrection. Yeah. Uh, um, 529. Yeah, do you know, you, you remember the 529 insurrection? You didn't forget, did you? <laughs> didn't forget. 529. That's right. Never, never, never forget. Falcon Laser says, get Tulsi Gabbard on after the Mines Festival. Uh, I'll ask. Uh, we're going to be on a panel together. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, uh, this Saturday in New York City, festival.minds.com, we're going to be, uh, speaking. It's going to be a really awesome event. And I'm going to be on a panel. I think, I think it's Tulsi, right? I think James you are, O'Keefe, yeah. Tulsi, me, Ben Burgess. And, uh, it's going to be comedy. It's going to be great. There's going to be some stand-up. Going to be a lot of people there. Uh, Seth, you're going to be there, I think? I'll be there, too. Yep. That's right. It's a great lineup. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a big theater. It's a nice venue, theater. yeah. Beacon Huge. Theater in New York. Yeah. Festival.minds.com. Get your tickets. And there's even like a free ticket form if, you, yeah. if, you're, if you're hurting and you really want to go because yeah. we want to get people to show up. All right. Let's see what we got. Okay. Rogel Dorn says, why not just recall the rhinos, get them out of office? Senators can't be recalled. Sorry. Uh-huh. They get in for six years, they sit there, and then they just spit in your face. There's a problem. Uh, yep. The K, the KL Tanker says, went to buy my first handgun in California today, wearing my inflation is theft shirt. Gonna go back tomorrow to use the range and officially buy it, thinking about wearing my if you trust the government shirt, we are change.org. Very good shirts, by the way. All right. Smokey Joe says, hey, Tim, nearly everyone accepts, accepts some degree of limits on speech, including you and I. So how do you rationalize being a 2A absolutist while being a 1A relativist? Appreciate y'all. Love you, Seamus. Good question. Oh, because you. the First Amendment, first of all, it covers a variety of things. And we're trying to understand what it means that the uh, um, the right to free speech shall not be infringed, right? What is free speech referring to? 
the expression of your ideas and politics should not be infringed by the government. That doesn't mean you can orchestrate crime. That's, 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 that's not. Now there's a challenge there. And I've brought this up. Because if the government just makes certain things crimes, then they can continually infringe upon your right to express your political opinions. So I've often said I'm not entirely sure there can be limits on free speech in that case. And perhaps as many other first uh, uh, 1A absolutists or free speech absolutists have said, only the direct action itself should be the crime. That's a good point there. As for the right to keep and bear arms, it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms. It exists. There it is. And arms refers to the same weapons the government has. That's it. We know exactly what they mean. We know what they meant when they wrote it. The di- so the issue, I suppose, is they're two different things. I don't know. You guys what? have thoughts on that? Yeah, thinking of speech and action, the difference between like, they go, no, it's only illegal if you do the action. Speech is a form of action. It requires you to make your body act to make the speech. And then if you record it, especially, that's some big action. So it's, you know, you can definitely, you can definitely speak things. You know, that's a form of I think one way to put it is, there are questions around the legality of orchestrating crime. You know, being the person who provides the mental capacity for a crime to be carried out. Some people have the brute force and the strength or the willingness to take action, physical action against another person, but not the wherewithal or mental capacity. And then you serving as a vehicle to drive people or enable them to do it. There's a question there. Keeping a gun, you've committed no crime. The fact that I have a gun does not hurt anybody, does not infringe on anyone else's rights. It is not a threat to anybody. I have done nothing wrong. In what context are we talking about free speech rights, though? Are we talking about them on, like, YouTube, social media? In public. What are we- you know, the Constitution, can the government infringe upon? Yeah. I think that's a great question because on YouTube, I don't, I think of this a lot, like daily. What's free speech on YouTube? YouTube's a corporation. They can shut down anyone at any time. That's per, and if the government's to come in and say, no, corporation, you got to do what we say. Well, that's kind of fascist of our government to get involved. So like, I'm like, what does it mean? What does free speech on the internet even mean with yeah. uh, private companies owning the place? There's been places. like, there was a Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. back in a, an old case going way back in like, it was Marsh versus Alabama. It had to do with like this company town yeah. and whether, and it was a privately owned company town. And the question was whether or not you had free speech rights in this town because it's owned by a corporation. Um, and they said yes. And, and they said yeah. yes, it, it, you do have free speech there because the town is performing all the functions that the government normally would. And so no one's really been successful in taking that argument and moving it to like social media. But one of the opinions in that, uh, one of the justices, Justice Black, wrote something about how the more you open up uh, as a private person, the more you open up your property or your business to the public, the more you can you you kind of give up some of your rights to allow for some of theirs to flourish. So they have their own rights, both statutory rights and constitutional rights, and you're allowing them on your platform, your property, or whatever. And so places of public accommodation have to accommodate the statutory and constitutional rights of the people that are there. Yeah, Twitter. And that's one of the arguments that was made in that case in particular. And, and I don't Twitter, see any reason why that shouldn't apply to social media companies. Occupy Wall Street famously had a lawsuit. Uh, many people were like, it's Zuccotti Park is private property. And then there was a lawsuit and the courts were like, but it's open to the public, so protest is allowed. And then mm-hmm. they couldn't evict the protesters. They eventually evicted the protesters on sanitation grounds or something like that. Mm-hmm. But this is why the Chase Plaza, about a block away, shut down to the public because they didn't want Occupy Wall Street taking over their public plaza, privately right. owned. Right. The occupiers also went beneath the Deutsche Bank building, which was another privately owned public space because they knew they were legally allowed to now occupy these spaces. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. I see Twitter as being no different. 
All right. Gadsden says, Tim, you talk about national divorce, civil war all the time. I wrote a book about exactly that. Can I send a copy of it to your P.O. box? Yes. It's called National Divorce, A Practical Plan to Prevent Civil War. It's available on Amazon as well. Interesting. Very cool. We have paused the fan mail uh, for the time being. I'm not sure if sending something to the P.O. box will get through or not, but you're welcome to send it. All right. Butter Warrior says, Tim, thank you for being liberal, for I am conservative. Seamus, thank you for being pious, for I am on the road. And my Jesus-looking man, I drank gin and tonic, and I had clairvoyance. My gal, stay you. Oh. Well, all right. I like that. Sweet. You Denton says, Seamus got it. Even liberals don't believe these common-sense gun laws will solve anything. It's all incremental steps towards a gun-free utopia. Yeah, and like, don't you think? Don't you think it should be mandated if you're trying to push for legislation after a tragedy to explain how that legislation would have prevented what just happened? Right. But they right. don't because it's that's not gonna, their goal. Their goal is to get your guns. It'll affect law-abiding people, mm-hmm. and there were already laws in place that should have stopped that from happening. That mm-hmm. didn't. That didn't. Exactly. All right, Miner says, Tim, I've I've been wondering for a while why don't you use music at the start when the show goes live. It would give an audible clue that it started. Sure. We could do that. That's a good idea. Yeah, for a while we were just, uh, we would just go live and then, you know, go live, but then YouTube auto plays an ad for a lot of people. So then many people would miss like the first 30 seconds. So now we wait a minute. Yeah. So we can, we can do that, I suppose. Jason Takes says, my wife had our second daughter this morning, named her Lydia in part because of how (gasps) sweet and awesome Sour Patch Lids is. I'm well, you're the if only she knew how you really anyway. were. Oh my yeah, God. Okay, cool. shut up, Seamus. I'm the second daughter. That makes me so happy. That's adorable. Congratulations. That is wonderful, Ru- though. Russell <laughs> says, you need to push for a recall for all these rhinos, Tim. Let's not wait for the next election. Senators can't be recalled. How amazing is that? Uh, Members of Congress can. So great. And should be. So all of those Congress people who are voting for this stuff, recall. All right. Friedrich. Frederick. Friedrich Borman says, hello, Tim and crew. I'm once again asking you to invite Russian libertarian Mikhail Svetov. You can reach him on Twitter at M. Svetov. He's very knowledgeable and knows a whole lot about American politics. Svetov. Interesting. Is he in America? I'll have to check him out. A06 says, Tim, could you look up the court case? Coniglia v. Strom. The Supreme Court already voted on it in a 9-0 decision. And it supposedly might already refute red flag laws. Interesting. Really? When was that? Let's take a look into it. All right. J.D. Russell says, I've enjoyed the previous theological discussions on the members only show. You guys should have on Joel Richardson, author of The Islamic Antichrist. He would bring a unique perspective on current events and biblical prophecy. Interesting. Hmm. You guys at the Babylon Beach should probably just publish lottery numbers at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, sooner or later. <laughs> Was that a comment? Did you just read that comment? No, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> the Babylon <laughs> Bee, who publish lottery numbers you know under what? the guise of satire. Here, I'll say it right now, right here. If you become a premium subscriber today, we'll publish lottery numbers just for you. Premium you subscribers only. Going <laughs> to sign right. up. We'll give you the fortune, the fortune numbers. All right. Nate Wotring says, Tim, you moved to the middle of nowhere in West Virginia, yet you compare the weather of Miami to West Virginia. Dude, Florida is so much bigger than Miami. LOL. Yeah. All, all, like all of Florida is hot, though. I know Miami is like particularly bad. The but uh, yeah, like West Virginia, it's just you get seasons, you know, it's yeah, not it that bad. 72 the other night. It was just the perfect 
perfect. We had like three days. You, you know, just do what the snowbirds do. Though. They come down. They're they're there when it's like cool and nice, like and then it. they leave for the summer and escape. Yeah. And yeah, they go somewhere what, north. They go to the mountains. They go somewhere else. It's basically what Luke does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He like shows up, and everyone's like, "I wonder why he's back." And it's like he's migrating. Yeah, you know, he's got to fly north. Bird. Yeah, it's true. Fly south for the winter. All right, let's grab some more of these super chats. Nate Woodsworth Woodworth says, Joni Ernst is my senator. I'm 24. She was the first senator I ever voted for. I'm so mad. I'm looking into how, what I need to run against her, and I will. Wow. Yes. Do it. Bravo. Absolutely. Western Canadian Commentary says, Tim, you keep saying it's a choice between Trump or DeSantis, but why not both? Give Trump second term in 24, then DeSantis in 28. Let Trump drain the swamp, then DeSantis brings America into a golden age. Keep up the great work. Oh, I, I agree. A Trump-DeSantis ticket? I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. Would they work together? Would they I don't know. would they want that? You know, they gotta be on board with that. I don't know. Yeah. I have I'm, no I'm, idea how I, they have been like photographed at events together, like in recent times, I guess. So I'm thinking it's gonna be DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I like predict it has DeSantis winning right now. Some polls yeah. are coming out. And well, and I think there are good reasons for that, right? Regardless of whether you want to attribute this to, you know, the deep state stopping Trump or the political establishment, not letting him do what he needed to do. We have seen DeSantis effectively govern after COVID hit and after the left tried shutting the entire economy down and started rioting and all the shenanigans they've been up to. Uh, we, we really haven't seen the same from Trump. He's been gone. And when he was in office, he wasn't able to achieve the things he wanted to in those circumstances, whereas DeSantis has been able to. I'm not saying it's the same scenario, but I am saying it's reasonable that people would be more trusting of DeSantis after that. Mm. Brand new Clown World says a simple thing I do in terms of culture jamming is making stickers. All it takes is vinyl sticker paper and a cheap cheap inkjet printer. Mm -hmm. I go to my local skate park or dive bar and slap on a bare shelf Biden or one nation controlled by the media sticker. Ah, yes. Yes. Yeah, we had uh, uh, we got criticized some some leftist outlet because we have proof of gun uh stickers i love it where it's like the proof of vaccination card Amazing. yeah but it says proof of gun and then it's like write down what gun you had and they were like he has fake gun gun uh, declaration forms or whatever it's like yeah, someone's <laughs> real likely to think that's real Not, and I don't, I don't know about that they just thought it was like how dare you oh bleh. whatever Kobe Brown says, Tim Bravo putting West Virginia Senator on blast. Don't forget McConnell giving in on the debt ceiling and infrastructure leading to inflation. This blow up the phone, uh, this blow up the phone lines and let them know what you think. Yes. But I've, I've, Mitch McConnell is awful. We need better leadership. The Republican Party is the Republican Party. A bunch of new populist libertarian types came into the Republican Party because of uh, Donald Trump. And now many of them are just like, I can't believe Mitch McConnell would do this to us. I don't understand why someone like DeSantis doesn't like inspire more people to like have a backbone like him, you know, to stand like, look at the response. You know, we're, we, he's in a conversation right now and he's, he's, ahead, he's head to head or ahead in polls against Trump for like running for president. Well, why? Because he hasn't like been spineless and rolled over and let the left just do whatever, you know, he like, he stands up to them. I just don't see how that's not like replicated. Why is nobody saying, why, why do people on the right, why do Republicans think that the best thing to do is appease the left when mm-hmm. obviously what DeSantis is doing is working? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even just a question of what DeSantis is doing working, though it obviously does. How can you A, see what DeSantis is doing and B, see what like Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney are doing and go like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be like, I'm gonna be like those, those guys. guys. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got right now on predicted DeSantis is beating <laughs> Trump. And if you've got this narrative that Trump controls the party, but DeSantis is starting to pull ahead in the polls, clearly he's doing something right. Mm. Right. These, these, these Republicans should be like, 
as you as you said, emulate DeSantis, emulate Desantis to win. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, maybe they're just not smart people. Huh. How about I mean. that? All right. The one free man says, Tim, there are a lot of wealthy people not doing anything. Uh, wait, there are a lot of wealthy people not doing anything. Klaus Schwab and Soros hold our beer. That's right. Yeah, you see, unfortunately, all the rich people who are actually doing stuff and our culture warriors are doing it in the bad ways. Against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's cool that Elon Musk is going to, is, is trying to buy Twitter, but it would not be difficult for him to start a media organization or invest in someone starting something or to prop up, uh, Anyone challenging the narrative, he could uncancel people. Mm. He could he could be like, I'm gonna hi, I'm gonna I'll, I'll give I'll put ten million dollars towards uh, comedy comedy shows. I will guarantee that the industry exists. That that's what I'm talking about. Like do that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about doing um, a new kind of award. There's people doing that, by the way, trying to uncancel. Daily Wire's uncancelled some people. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, you know, I I I came to the aid of. The libs of TikTok girl, who yeah, I won't yeah, name here, yeah. when she was being doxxed and, and taken but out. So the Daily you know, Wire, of- they're building themselves up from the ground up. They're building this big empire. There are people who are already on the top of these big towers who purport to believe in a lot of the same things. Who could snap their fingers and yeah, they have resources. Yeah, they don't. They don't do it. Yeah, you know, they do some stuff, but I'll tell you, one of the things I've encountered is that a lot of the people who actually have the money don't understand cultural issues. And so they keep approaching things from this tech perspective where they're like, you know, look, to be honest, like even buying Twitter, I think is great, but I think it shows the kind of, uh, it shows the worldview of Elon Musk. The solution is buying Twitter. Well, buying Twitter is a nuclear bomb in the culture war, but the issue is you need culture warriors to create culture, share culture, and inspire young people. Mm-hmm. Owning Twitter doesn't necessarily change what's going on. But at least they'll be allowed to speak on his platform when That's he's true. managing it. Mm-hmm. So it is good. But I hear a lot from people. They're like, if we just build this new platform, and I'm like, that's not changing the culture. Mm-hmm. It's not changing the fact that a large portion of millennials believe these things. You know? Well, and it also doesn't provide an alternative in the sense that you're not going to have people. Like the people that are on Twitter right now, you have the full diverse spectrum of like viewpoints represented on Twitter right now. You know, you got people far left, far right, and everybody in between. And if you build an alternative that's like, if, if Musk were to start an alternative that was like a free speech platform, he's like, hey, come join my free speech platform. How many people on the left are going to join that platform? Do they want a free speech platform where, no. where there's no, where there's moderation, but not for what they consider misinformation or hate speech? Of course not. Yeah, I, got, I think you got a free speech code. Near the only way you can really get free speech is let people build their own networks with the code. It's, uh, I guess, play it later. Yeah. JT says, Tim, don't rent space on billboards. Buy the billboard. <laughs> Buy it, put up your message, and leave it Leave it up forever. <laughs> okay. But it's probably just not cost effective. What if instead of billboards okay. you put shirts on people? You know, you just pay people to wear your shirt that has your message on it. Just send like them out, send find, them out in large groups or something. You find know? a homeless shelter nearby Charleston and give them like 500 shirts of all different sizes right. of each. Like there's 5,000 <laughs> shirts and they're giving away all these shirts that just say, you know, Shelly is trash or whatever. That'd be hilarious. And then they're like, but they're free shirts and these people really need to wear them. It's like all of a sudden there's home. No, no, no. You, if, if, if they're going to give it to homeless people, it's got to be something like more political about. Why are there homeless people in this place in the first place? Why is this place suffering? And then point to the senator who's supposed to be doing right by the people. You know what I mean? Right, right. Then you're getting more political, I guess, though. You could be like, it's their fault I'm here wearing this shirt. Thank them. Bad leadership. 
All right. Mr. Devilman says Ben Franklin was a boss. While in England during the war as a diplomat, he hired his own private fleet of pirates to hit English supply ships. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Well, good for him, I suppose. Yeah. Good for Ben. You know, one of the things that, awesome. by the way, on the, on the, the free speech stuff and Twitter and Musk and all that stuff, one thing that I don't know if you guys have talked about it much here, but I feel like it doesn't get talked enough about enough is the fact that these platforms like Twitter, for example, they give you all the tools you need to decide who you're going to listen to. Mm. Like I can mute or block anybody. Yeah. I don't have to see if you start saying stuff that I don't like, I can stop seeing it without taking away your voice. It's about taking away your voice. That's I can, what they want to do. Yeah. But, but, but it's like, it's, it's just insane. You're right. It, it, that's what it's about. But if it's, but ultimately it's like the tools are there for you to like, ins- if, all, if it's a, if it was really about having a safe space and not being exposed to that stuff, the tools are there to protect yourself right now. So yeah. it has to be about taking away your voice. An issue I've had is if I mute somebody and then someone responds to them, I see the response. Right. And the person I muted is tagged in it. And I'm like, I don't want to think about that person. That's why I muted them. So you got to go and fix that. Twitter. Keep muting everybody. Mute, mute all the threads where that name is popping up. Yeah. It can become or a lot of work. Option on. Yeah. All right. Ego, ego lit, litster. The bee did a great article on our church and baptizing via water slides. <laughs> Tim, as a member, I'm asking that you buy up all the billboards. Love you all. Awesome. Baptizing by water slides. A lot of people thought that was real. A lot oh, of really? People. Yeah. Including one of our employees. She now works for us, but she, she admitted when we hired her that she originally thought that article was real. <laughs> That's wow. great. Yeah. Well, you know, now Snopes is sounding convincing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you need to be taken off the internet. Yep. Joe Messinic says, dead internet. Alexa will soon be able to read stories as your dead grandma. Yep. TechCrunch. Yeah, and I, I think I was reading that Facebook can take a person's profile and then create an AI chat bot, bot based on their life and knowledge and oh, talk to you like, you know, it's like your grandpa dies. That's so eerie. It's going to be like, hey, grandpa, and he'll be cast. like, what's up? Yeah. I'm a ghost. And he'll be like, whoa. <laughs> That's what he'll say to him. Yeah. Whoa. It's those <laughs> algorithms that should be free. You, Sounds like you're the AI. Know, right? <laughs> Having that much man- manipulation over the, the populace is like, is irksome. I think that's the code that needs to be freed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For people to have access to it, at least to see what it's doing. With the, the Alexa comment though, is that because Alexa's been listening so much? Is that why it's able to? Well, they, they were talking about, uh, you can, you can have a custom Alexa voice. Because I guess it's just based on hearing samples of someone speaking, Alexa will be able to imitate their voice. Who knows how well wow. you know, they'll be able to do it, or it will be able to do it. That's weird. Yeah. Alicia Z. Del Valle says, I think Louis C.K. said that he felt we were actually closer as a society when people mocked each other uh, about race and physical appearance in general. I thought that was kind of funny, LOL. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean... Arguably, yes. When people were doing these jokes, we weren't on the verge of tearing each other apart and burning everything to the ground, right? Well, I think it's a chicken or egg style question. So if you're not close with somebody and they start making offensive jokes about you, you're going to be less likely to laugh, especially if they're an enemy and there's been tension there. But if you're friends with somebody and they poke some fun at you, you're probably going to laugh. They can get away with a lot more. So I think being able to joke about those things is the sign of a very healthy society because the people in the society actually believe that the person poking fun at them doesn't mean them any harm. Today, that's very clearly not the case. And I'm not sure if it's not the case because we can't joke about it. I think it's probably the case just because tensions have been heightened for other reasons. But the the, the lack of humor is certainly a symptom. Mm. 
All right. Danibus X says the Hughes Amendment banned the manufacture of machine guns for civilian use in 1986. Ah, that one. Mm. Yes. Yes, we should get rid of that. Yes. That's stupid. All right. Young Jaws, Young Jav says killer clowns from outer space. That's, that is all I am. That is all I am a gorilla. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Let's see. Vulciferon, Herald of the Winter Mist says Article 1, Section 27 of the Oregon Constitution states, the people shall have the right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state, but the military shall be kept in strict subordination to the civil power. Interesting. Wow. That's not going too well up there, I suppose. No. Matthew Gregor says, check out St. Philip Neri. He literally hung out with the dregs of Italy making jokes that were the punch, uh, jokes that were where, where the punchline was their sin. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. The joke caused them to see the reality of the life they were living. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Amos Moses says, gotta move to Oklahoma. We banned red flag laws two years ago. Nebraska sounds pretty nice too. So is Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Nolan Buss says, Vosh is currently defending the position that taking kids to drag shows is not bad on Alex Stein's page. This is madness. Bad is good and good is bad. Huh. It's really funny seeing the left come out and defend the drag uh, queen story hour thing. And, and it's like, it's funny because I saw this leftist journalist post something being like, can we, can we, uh, no, no, no. I think it was, uh, yeah, they said something like, can we make the distinction between, you know, uh, drag shows that are stripping and drag queens just reading books and I'm just like oh yeah because having a go-go dancer read your kids books <laughs> is 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 fine like I'm pretty sure parents would not be okay with that either well I mean look 10 years ago if someone was a drag queen during their off time and they were let into a school to read a book to children that would be a controversy today they're doing it in drag and you're told you have to accept it what makes someone a queen like a drag queen because if I put on a dress I'd technically be in drag uh, that's kind of the definition well, of the phrase. A, it's very specific, like full costume, foam hips, big makeup. That's what makes that yeah. the queen, the drag queen, is when they put on the makeup and stuff. I guess. I mean, it's like it just it's like what is the purpose, you know? And they have they actually have a stated purpose for what they're doing. It's to like uh, groom kids. It's to uh, like <laughs> stimulate the queer imagination or something like that in children. Mm. And it's like. That's literally grooming. And, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and this is all over public libraries and schools, and schools are signed on to this stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, like, how do drag queens, wh- whether it's inappropriate, whatever, it's a man dressed as a woman. It's always that way. You know, it's always a man dressed as a woman. How does that do anything but distract from story time? What's the point of story time? The, the, the just argument, have the drag queen, like, perform. You know? The argument like, they made is that drag queens are in costume, and it's theatrics. They're reading a story in character. Right. And my my argument right back is like, Drag shows have a set standard of what they are. It is they walk around, they take tips from the audience. Mm-hmm. It is comparable to go-go dancing. If we said go-go dancing for kids, parents would be like, excuse me? Huh. We can put a pole in the room too and they can do that because the drag queens have been doing the same kinds of dancing. They've done some of that. Yeah, and, and <laughs> parents would probably be like, hey, wait a minute, but the left is jumping over themselves to defend this because it's tribal issues. Right. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, if, uh, we'll leave it there. If you haven't already... Smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. We're going to have that members-only show up at about 11 p.m. You're not going to want to miss it because we are going – it's it's uncensored, not family-friendly. We, we record that right now after the show, and then it goes up at 11. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL basically everywhere. You can follow me at Timcast. Seth, do you want to shout anything out? Uh, you can follow the Babylon Bee, not on Twitter right now. We're <laughs> locked out. But hopefully, if we get back, you can follow us there. 
Uh, but we're still on Facebook, Instagram, BabylonB.com, um, our YouTube channel as well. Like and subscribe there. Right on. I just saw the, the video Seamus did with the Babylon B. It was hilarious. Oh, the one for the, uh, the Rod Butch's yeah. debate tactics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With, yeah, yeah. That one was, that one was hilarious. Thank you. I, I, I can only say that because I can't take credit for all the jokes. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I'm Seamus Coglin. I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. Uh, I create political cartoons, and we're going to be releasing one tomorrow. I think you guys will enjoy. If you want to go over to freedomtunes.com for five bucks a month, you can become a member, and you'll be supporting independent content and getting an extra cartoon every week. Uh, yeah, guys, I want to remind you about festival.minds.com because I'm going to be there speaking with Blair White, Bill Ottman. We're going to be talking about internet, the future of internet, the technology of internet, sens- social media censorship. All the above. It's going to be hot. So check it out. Festival.minds.com. Get a ticket there. It's going to be in New York City at the Beacon Theater. And it's this Saturday, June 26th. Looking forward to seeing there. If you're, did you mention the free tickets? No, no. You can also get free tickets. A lot of people maybe through financially pinched or if you just want some free ticks, go to festival.minds.com and you can sign up for the free ticket form. Yeah, I am really looking forward to the Minds Festival because I've never been to New York City. So this is going to be super fun. I'm excited. Seth's going to be joining us there. Blair White's going to be there. Tulsi Gabbard's going to be there. It's going to be a really great time. I'm I'm super stoked about it. We're just going to drive up. It's going to be super rad. You guys can follow me on Twitter Minds.com at Sour Patch Lids as well as SourPatchLids.me. We will see you all at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.